Welcome, everyone, to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Hosway. Uh, this could be the last week where I have this comic lull, and I can actually empty out my box this weekend. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for you, man. Like... I I love reading comics, but one of the things I love most about reading comics is talking about them with you. I know, dude. You've been carrying the fucking show, which is awesome. I fucking love hearing about them all, but yeah, I really do miss sharing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to catch up, and thankfully Marvel, you know, I don't want to yes. praise a Disney company, but <laughs> thanks, thank you, Marvel, for allowing digital copies. At Every company this. should do it. It's amazing. Yeah. So... I mean, it's great promotion. Just throwing that out there. But anyways, <laughs> yes. uh, speaker of promotion, happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride. It's still Pride. It's always Pride as far as we're concerned, but this yep. is when it's actually Pride. Um, there's so much good gay shit out there, guys. <laughs> I'm not even going to start going in the list. <laughs> Just go on Twitter. You know who to look for. Um, we will have some very special Pride level announcements in the next week or two about what we're going to be doing for our specials uh mm-hmm. we're tr- trying to work that out but i will just say this we already have a first timer we actually already have two first timers for our jukebox episode sick uh one is a member of a certain pv and one is a comic book creator yes and i'm very excited about that so we'll talk about that on another show so here we're talking about comics as always so as always we don't start with the actual comic book reviews we start with the comic book news and i got a couple things that i wanted to go over with you uh, as far as indie stuff goes, uh, first of all, here's the thing. So we're going to talk about somebody that you and I have a complicated relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Millar. Yeah. Mark Millar's made some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Right. Mark Millar is also a complicated person. Yeah. Well, we do have the big crossover coming up called Big Game. Which is the big Millarverse crossover. Oh, okay. Right, right. I sent you a link. And um, it's just really cool. This this art is just really, really great. Uh, this is There's a Jay Lee cover. Yeah, the Jay Lee one is cool. <laughs> with Kick-Ass and Hit-Girl. And it's just Original so Original Kick-Ass, good. too. Yeah. Like, that we are starting to get art for it. And God, part of me is really tempted. I was also a huge Wanted fan. Like I love, I like the comic, but I love the movie. I adore the movie, and I see Nemesis. But I had a note on here. It says like, it says it's a wanted sequel. So I'm looking at it. It's, it carries more as a wanted sequel. It's interesting. Yeah. So we'll see. <sighs> I love that movie. Like it's it's so good. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited about it. Uh, but I don't know if I'm gonna buy it. I, I just I'm kind of mallard out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So we'll see. But uh, at, le- at least it looks good. The art looks great. Speaking of art, uh, as we know, the rights to Conan the Barbarian have recently switched hands to Titan Comics. Mm-hmm. And CBR had an exclusive preview of four new covers for the series. Ooh. And boy, do these covers get me excited. I think there's some amazing art here. Of course, the series will be written by Jim Zub, who I absolutely Sick. adore. But oh, I, I, first one, yeah, that cover a oh, they're all so good. I like the B a lot, like him being surrounded, and I like the C, just the shadow, like that's cool. Yeah, the back cover, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, they're all really good. Yeah, that's really cool. So I'm I'm excited about that. Like, uh, 
I don't buy a lot of Titan comics, but I might get that one because the Conan run of Marvel was so good. So. Yeah, I was gonna say D- Doug uh, Braithwaite for the cover A. God damn, it's just he's so fucking classic w- with this fantasy touch. Like, ah, I love him. Oh yeah. And my last bit of indie news is that um, Skybound's Creep Show is returning for a second volume. Oh okay. And I'm gonna send it to you right now. It's gonna feature contributions from Garth Ennis. Becky Cloonan Ooh. and Phil Hester. That's good. That's cool. Addi- additional creators include Michael Walsh, Dan Waters, Abigail Larson, Zoe Thorogood, Joey- Joel Forelli, Nick Dragoda, Elisa Quitney, uh. Saladin Ahmed. <laughs> like a-, a horror anthology with all these names Tim Daniel, DB Andre, Joe Quinones, and Matthew Roberts. Like, and these covers are, like, are, are oh, so yeah. good. Oh, yeah, man. Like that sounds cool as hell. There's some amazing names in that list. Oh, they're connecting psychedelic covers. Oh, I want those. Oh yeah, that's insane. I didn't realize that was, that was a long connecting cover. Yeah, definitely. But just a all star team. You know what I mean? Like I love when they yeah, do absolutely. that. Absolutely really cool. So I almost certainly not being a horror person, I'm probably gonna be picking that up. So with that in mind, we're gonna move on to DC news, and I have one piece of DC news. But holy shit, this news. <laughs> is it what i sent you oh oh yes <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a full update by the way oh um, good good okay so we have the announcement of a new birds of prey book yay in the fall of 2023 good job dc from, from kelly thompson and leonardo romero holy shit good job dc <laughs> yes 100 kelly thompson is incredible this is the best now here's the thing each day, Kelly's been announcing a member of the team. Are you caught up through today? No, I did. I wasn't. Okay. Well, let's run them out in the order they were announced. Black Canary is leading the team. Awesome. The second member is Cassandra Kane. That's so good. The third member is Big Barda. That's so fucking awesome. <laughs> and the fourth what? member. <laughs> I know. And the fourth member is Zealot from Wildcats. Oh, shit. Oh, you must be happy. Oh, I'm fucking excited. <laughs> so, uh, there's here. I'm going to send you a link so you can see the concept art of the four of them together because it's excellent. Um, and that leaves one person left to announce. Now, in her, in Kelly's announcement, she put a little emoji for each person, the last one. Uh-huh. And the last emoji, which hasn't been revealed yet, is a red heart. Now, some people are saying it's going to be Harley. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's Red Canary because she's brand new. I, I was, uh, yeah, right. And it yeah. would, yeah, time having like the both Canaries on the team would would be would be pretty cool. I wouldn't know what they would do with her without it. If it What's was a red diamond, of- for sure it would be Harley. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I think I think it would be really cool if it, if it was Red Canary because like they just introduced her. When you introduce a character, you usually have a plan for. Her. What was the plan? If not this, yeah. you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. so. I hope so, but or, uh, or to stretch it, it's it's a it's a still picture of a heart. It's flatline, <laughs> dude. I'm still holding out hope. I'm still <laughs> holding cool. out hope. Like, yo, uh, but this yeah. team is insane right now. I just want to point out the fact that how hilarious it is because it's Birds of Prey, yeah, which is like a street level Gotham team. And Big Bard is right in the middle. <laughs> Bard is gonna <laughs> fuck it up. <laughs> I love that. It's gonna be amazing. So, yo, uh, I want to read this shit so bad. <laughs> I probably can now. Yes. 
Uh, I also want to quickly jump back to like some general news because CBR just like a news roundup. I always forget to do it, but there's okay. a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are working together on a new graphic novel for Image called Where the Body Was. <laughs> sounds, sounds aptly named to, be, to the two of them. <laughs> Brubaker and Phillips, yeah. Features, <laughs> features colors by Jacob Phillips. It's a, a graphic novel. Uh, comes out in December. Starting with the map of the crime scene, this murder mystery follows the ripples that echo through decades of love and loss and passion and violence after one fateful killing. Like a true crime podcast crossed with a long lost diary. It's unlike anything they've ever done and is a must have for all avid fans. Nice. That sounds pretty sick. If you're a true crime fan, Edward Brigger's got you. Yeah. Dark Horse is going to collect all 18 issues of Norse mythology. Oh, cool. That's going to be one to own, guys. Yeah, one good omnibus right there. Yep. Um, keep in mind that, like I said, the Neil Gaiman um, wrote it originally. P. Craig Russell adapted it for the actual comic book format. Mm-hmm. Um, but just as a reminder of the art in this, Mike Mignola, P. Craig Russell, Jerry Ordway, David Rubin, Piotr Kowalski, Jill Thompson, Matt Horek, Mark Buckingham, Gabriel Hernandez-Valta, Sandy Gerald, Galen Showman, and Colleen Duran all throughout. So, also, the deluxe thing will have cover art by David Mack and a sketchbook section in the back. If you remember correctly, each issue had a Mack cover. So, oh, I yeah. guarantee they're all going to be at the end. That's that's awesome. So, yeah, so excited about that. Um, next up, uh, I have a little bit of Oni news. Oni is debuting a new queer horror graphic novel called Let Me Out. Uh, writer Emmett Nahil and art George Williams. It's a tribute to queer cinema and vintage revenge exploitation films. When a corpse is discovered in the woods, a group of queer and trans misfits are falsely accused by the local police of devil worship and murder. With few options and no one to turn to, they decide the best way to get revenge might be to just embrace the devil after all. That sounds pretty sick. Yeah, I'm (laughs) looking like like that. Yeah. So, um, other than that, everything else I have is Marvel. So, let's jump straight to Marvel. Uh, So... um, we do know we did know that something big was coming up on Moon Knight in Moon Knight. We we know that Layla was being debuted and everything, mm-hmm. but they've announced it's a full on like crossover uh, called Night's End, which is going to start in twenty five. Um, so uh, we don't know too much about it yet, and um, I think that's obviously going to be where they actually introduce Layla. Yeah, and so it'll be very interesting to see how that goes because again. Moon Knight's been so on fire lately, but he hasn't really been involved in a crossover since uh, since uh, Jed took over. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see like what's going to happen there because the last one was Age of Khonshu, and that was more of an Avengers, Avengers book. Yeah, yeah. So I- I'm curious to see. I think it'd be cool. Uh, the other bit of roundup news for Marvel, and I'm hoping. Yep, I'm just going to send you a link to this. Because it's the very bottom. This is the news roundup, so you have to scroll all the way down. Mm-hmm. It's the last story here. Marvel Stormbreakers shine a light on X-Men history in a new variant series. Variant oh, covers are always fun news for us. Um, and it's great. There's some really epic moments in X-Men history reimagined by different artists. I love the Elena Casagrande Dark Phoenix moment. It looks great. Uh, but, of oh, course, yeah. the Lucas Wernick, the Lucas Wernick Dazzler is the one. Oh, absolutely. I have to get this one. And and that's Hellfire Gala number. That's the Hellfire Gala this year. That's the very. <gasps> oh, my gosh. OK, I need to put in the FOC for this. Uh, the Sinister Four one's pretty good because that's when Storm was reduced to a child. Oh, yeah. Uh, Days of Future Past. Oh, we just Past. had that book recently, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Days of Future Past. Uh, and then 
X Force Forty Two with the 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 cry of the Banshee. I still remember that cover vividly. Oh, by like, Nick Klein. Fuck yes. And then John Bazadua doing the Immortal X Men with Kitty and um, Emma, <sighs> nice. which is that's an homage to like the early like the early uh, Kitty days. I think if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, I'm remembering the image. So a CFVO one too. Just great. I just love, I love what they do with Stormbreakers. I love how they give them cover work. They get them used to it and then give them a book. I yeah. always think that's a really great time. Like a line of like nail them too. Oh yeah. 100%. Like some of the, some of the best books right now are being drawn by Stormbreakers. Exactly. Yeah. So, or, or, or certain, certain Stormbreakers are being pushed onto other, onto multiple books right now because they're that good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a couple more Marvel news. Uh, we're getting a new crossover. I'm going to read the creative team first. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy. Oh, yes. Oh, motherfucker, yes. Do you already know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, good. But the fact that he gets one now. I, I mean, he did add t- uh, well, 10 deaths and well, lives, but... Well, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Manage your expectations for a moment. <laughs> Art is by... There's several artists. Uh, Keizama... Ken Lashley, Andrea DeVito, and Greg Land all contributing art. Ooh. It is going to be Wolverine versus the Predator. Wait, that's actually happening? <laughs> yes, it is. It's actually happening? No fucking way. <laughs> I'll send you the link right now. I love that they're like, okay, let's do a Wolverine Predator. Because they have the Alien and Predator rights now. It's like, might mm-hmm. as well. You know, but I love that they're like, okay, we want to do a Predator Wolverine crossover. Who should we get? And I just imagine Benjamin Percy being like, I dare you to make anybody else do this. Besides <laughs> <me."> <laughs> like, actually, I, he doesn't sound like that. He's much deeper than I am, but still. I, I know, right? <laughs> I had seen and, the oh, cover. And that's a Chichetto that's cover, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I had seen the cover, but I, I didn't read too much into it. I had seen, um, who was it? Was it Cantwell? Um, who who did a Savage Avengers? Basically, someone someone had asked him like, "Yo, why uh, did you ever try to get Predator Four Savage Avengers?" And he replied, uh, "Don't think I didn't try." <laughs> and then, but but the that would most be that, amazing, <laughs> yeah. But the most that we the, the most that they got was that um, there was a Predator variant for Savage Avengers Three, and I thought that's what this was. I just didn't keep reading. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a mini a crossover mini. This is actually pretty cool though. <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. Uh, we got a couple really big announcements from Marvel this week. Uh, first of all, Marvel's announced the return of the Superior Spider-Man. Oh, no shit. Yes. Um, what we know is that it's going to be written by Dan Slott. Okay. And it just says, this fall, Dan Slott will return to the smarter, stronger, and superior wall crawler and superior Spider-Man. We know nothing else. We don't, we don't know if it's going to be auto. We don't know if it's going to be something else. Interesting. It was a very yeah. interesting time in Spider-Man. So, and it's it like it did make like the hot-headed one. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of a cool idea. Well, um, I, did, I did. I do have this run, and I'm trying to think back to um like spider in like the, the Spider-Verse uh, when he did show up. But it was like, did they make him as another one? Because he wasn't Otto. I can't remember if, uh, if Otto was still Peter in, in in a Peter clone body at the time or not. Um. Or if there was just like another version of it uh, for the occasion, so I'm wondering how this is going to work out. Yeah, I th- I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. So, mm-hmm. uh, next up, beginning in September 2023, this is interesting because of what's going on right now in comics. Marvel is rebooting Steve 
Rogers's Captain America series. I thought I'd seen, seen something about this. And it's going to come from J. Michael Straczynski and Jesus Size. Fuck, okay. Ooh, a size? <laughs> yeah, and they, they they call it a reboot, but it really looks like it's like, like a Steve Rogers book. Because Straczynski says, one thing about Steve Rogers that's never really been addressed is the period between when his parents died and when he became Captain America. Oh, shit. We're talking about a sickly, skinny 17-year-old kid trying to survive on his own for because he's stubborn and independent on the street for several years, hustling to get any, you know, he's not Captain America. So we'll counterpoint a pre, uh, present tense story in which Captain America fights off, faces off against a new villain of supernatural origin with a story about his younger self. Kind of like what we got from the Punisher series recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. I think it'd be really interesting to do. It definitely, I'm definitely curious to see what's going to happen with Cold War. Yeah, it's definitely going to seem like some sort of big conclusion to want to tell this story next. And I haven't seen any news, but I don't know if the Sam book's going to continue. That's true. Yeah, um, I do know that Captain America 750 is coming out in July. Okay. And it's just Captain America, and it's got both of them on it. Mm -hmm. And this comes after Cold War, and I don't know what this is going to mean, considering Cold War is not over yet, but... It says, after the heroine events of Cold War, the Captains of America return home to mourn their fallen oh, and no. strive to honor the power of legacy. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, so... We'll see. <laughs> so, that's very interesting. Last big announcement. <laughs> Man, if you want to talk about conflicting emotions. Marvel's announced it will be launching a brand new Ultimate Universe spinning out of the Ultimate Invasion miniseries. Oh, no shit. They're really going to revamp it. The new universe will begin in November's Ultimate Universe, a one-shot by Jonathan Hickman and artist Stefano Caselli. <sighs> <laughs> like, creative team, yes, please. Um, the one-shot will then lead to a series of new comic tiles within the Ultimate Universe, written and drawn by a number of Marvel's most popular current creators, reusing the Ultimate Universe concept. Um, I don't think we know which books are going to be there. We just know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. They're really going to try to spin out <laughs> other universe books as well as the catalog they have now. That's insane. I'm thinking they might like try to make ultimate versions of stuff that wasn't made before. Uh, that'd, be, um, that'd, be, that'd be fun. Maybe like uh, some of the younger heroes that have since popped up. Like um, like like the champions, not, not necessarily the team quote name champions, but mm-hmm. you know, that, that group of characters. Oh, sure. They could also do a lot more with X-Men because ultimate X-Men went everywhere. Yeah. Like, and there, there's a, a billion mutants you could bring in, you know, you don't have to have a marquee mutant. You know what I mean? I'm so, so curious if how they're going to have to, one of the last things like that, that was happening in the ultimate universe, um, that was like, that got to happen in the ultimate universe as right before they ripped it apart and, and, and took it away for a while was that ultimate Peter Parker had come back, had come back. Um, from the dead and it was it was one of the most vaguely explained uh uh explained things in in comics so i'm wondering if if the that'll be one of one of the things to address yeah well um i'm looking at the cover and actually i'll let you judge this with me i'll send this over to you right now so we have the cover for ultimate universe which is the one shot Mm -hmm. and um 
there's Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America prominently on the cover, but there's shadows behind them, and that one is a Spider-Man. A Spider-Man in the back, yeah, for sure. My my issue with it is the neckline, that's Miles. That's Miles with the scarf outfit. It doesn't go in for his neck. It's just a bulky neck. But he's not wearing that suit. Anymore. He's not. He hasn't been sporting that suit in a while, like since the new yeah. run. I don't know. I just really don't want them to take Miles out of 616. I don't either. Like, like it's what I said. Like the six one six was like the best thing that happened uh, to ever happen to, to to Miles. He lost his mom in the other universe. He was losing everything. Uh, the six one six was the best thing that ever happened to him. So I'm 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 wondering if it'll be Peter again. Since like it, again, it was like the last thing to to bring back out of fucking nowhere. It's one of the things that kind of bothered me about it. It just felt like we're just putting the toys back where they were. But it's like that was the whole point for Miles was because we're passing the torch, and then it was just so vaguely explained because then um. Norman came back and it's like there was a, there was that whole fight so it was just weird. Yeah, the one at the bottom is probably Black Panther. I see the ears. Yeah, but could also be Daredevil. Ooh, like an armored Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Ultimate Daredevil got almost nothing. So I'd like That's to see true. Ultimate Daredevil. And then I have absolutely no idea who that person at the bottom is. I can't make it out of there. It's a weird triangle head. So I know. yeah, but yeah, I mean that's interesting. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, normally I'd I'd be like, nope, but then they like Hickman. I'm like, the bastards. You're the, <laughs> the only person to bring you back in. Yeah, so. Last bit of news. Um, Marvel has announced they have changed the title of Captain America New World Order, which is good. Oh, because yeah. it was... Um, a little pushy? It's just, it had negative connotations. New yeah. World Order has, has a connotation that's not great. Uh, unless you're a wrestling fan and then you just think of a wrestling group. Um, but now it's going to be called Brave New World. I'm fine with that. Cool. I yeah. think it's okay. It's, it's still the same tone, but yeah, better. <laughs> There's a YouTube channel I follow called Cultaholic for wrestling news. Because I'm a wrestling nerd. And the wrestler Seth Rollins is going to be one of the bad guys in New World. Or, or in oh, Brave sick. World. And so one of the guys on there was like, technically, we could run a headline that says Seth Rollins joins New World Order. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, no, that's misleading. He's like, but it's true. (laughs) It just messed up the whole fucking internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that was great. So, Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, There's a lot of information about this movie already out there. And I think it's going to be really cool. I just hope people manage their expectations. Because Marvel movies seem to have an insane amount of expectations lately. I know. This, just, this, like, this one I'm really excited for. This like I think I, I just haven't really thought about it for like till um till I'm making the thought right now. But will this be the first movie to actually follow up one of the shows? Um like directly. Like almost like as its own like sequel in a way. I believe so, yeah. Nice. That, that's, that's also why I'm excited. Like we already have we've had the setup, like that we can just focus on the movie on the plot. Yeah, all the Wong stuff happened after shang chi so i guess that wouldn't take yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and just a reminder of the cast because i don't know how much of this we've talked about and i'm very excited uh anthony mackie obviously is coming back as captain america uh we have danny ramirez coming in as joaquin from from <gasps> the show he's actually he's the second lead no shit yes and i loved him in that that show so um Next up, uh, they're bringing back Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley um, okay. from the show. They're bringing back the leader, Tim Blake Nelson, as the leader. That's the, yeah, that I did know. I'm so fucking excited. All the way from back from phase one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Shira Haas is coming in as Sabra. I love Sabra. It's a very underrated, like, mutant character. Um, oh, dope. It's strange that she's going to be in this, of all things. Uh, she, is, she is Israeli, so maybe it's going to be like a political thing. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, Harrison Ford is going to be taking over the role of uh, Thunderbolt Ross after William Hurt passed away. So funny. Liv Tyler will be returning as Betty Ross. That's dope. And uh, Zosha Rokemore, who um, was in uh, the Mindy Project. Like, There's not a lot of things I, I think people would know uh, uh, her from. But um, she is... She is in an undisclosed role, as well as Seth Rollins, professional wrestler. <laughs> I think he, I think he's going to be a member of the Serpent Society, personally. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, <laughs> he's a bad guy. <laughs> Fun fact, by the way, Seth Rollins' real name is Colby Lopez. Uh, oh, he, yeah. He, he, like, is, just, he is Latino. <laughs> I'm looking at his picture. I didn't even register like the name I was, I was clicking on. <laughs> Yeah it's, yeah, it's just kind of funny because, like, there's a there, again, this is a wrestling heavy story, but um, there was a bit about how he, um, um, oh wait, wait, he's actually, never mind, he he actually took his stepfather's last name. He isn't actually Latino himself, oh. but he took his Latino name. That's awesome That's cool. as fuck. Yeah. But there was like a thing where the WWE found out that his real name was Colby Lopez. They're like, wait, so we can count him as diversity? Like, there's this whole <laughs> stupid fuckers. Yeah, so. Anyways, that's all the news I got, unless you had anything I missed. Uh, no, I'm just looking at Danny Ramirez. I'm so excited for his Falcon. I know, right? God, is he a Bradley? Fuck. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm so excited for this movie. Yeah, no, no Eli yet, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one we're looking out for because mm-hmm. all the other Young Avengers are here now. So, except Hulkling and well, Hulkling, just Hulkling, yeah. But anyways, okay. So now we're going to talk about into the Spider Verse. Oh man, across right across Spider Verse. Sorry. Yes, we are going to talk about it. We're going to talk spoilers. So at this point, if you have not seen it and you don't want to hear spoilers. Check the timestamp on Twitter. Go to the first publisher, which is Boom Comics. That'll skip past this entire conversation. You won't get spoiled. But please, if you have seen it, please stay here for our spoiler conversation. Because I cannot wait to talk about this with us way. Because spoilers start now. This movie kicks fucking ass. <laughs> this movie was amazing. This movie was really fucking good. It was... I, I The thing I keep coming back to is the statement of... It's the most enjoyable time I've ever had watching a movie in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I was Since alone. the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I went alone. I didn't have a oh, friend nice. to hang out with, and it was still amazing. Yeah. I had to go to the bathroom the entire time. I was like, nope. No. Nope. Not missing a <laughs> moment can't. of this. I took notes for the first 10 minutes and then put my phone away because I'm like, I, I just need a page of the movie. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Uh, I will start with obviously the place I would always start with. Gwen was incredible. Yeah. Gwen was the star of the movie. It That's wasn't Miles this time, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it was a it was a Gwen movie. Um amazing, amazing performance. Just uh, incredible. Um we'll address the elephant in the room real quick, uh, which has been the big thing online. Uh about the trans imagery with 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 Gwen. Uh, I personally do not believe the intention was to say that Gwen is trans, but I certainly believe that the possibility of Gwen being trans was hinted at as a way of saying 
not saying she is, but saying it would be okay if she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the protect trans kid flag is is great. Um, I honestly think that she uh, that it was added because it did fit the color scheme of her, and it was also like a serendipitous moment where they're like, "Holy crap, let's put a trans kid flag," and it would match her actual color palette that's been the same since forever. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a great way to make a state a message. I don't think the intention was to say that Gwen is trans, but if the creators come out and say that's incorrect, cool. I'll embrace it. I'll be happy with her being trans. I just don't want people to get an idea in their head that something is one way and then it's not. And then we get disappointed because I think, I think one of the things that we really, um, that really sets, sets us up for disappointment is coming up with ideas that aren't confirmed and convincing ourselves they're facts. Yeah. So, um, so if you believe Gwen is trans, awesome. I'm happy for you. I personally don't think that was the intention, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to tell you that I don't know. And either way, trans or not, she supports trans kids, and that's the important. Yeah, so it is. I mean, like I, that's how I kind of viewed it. It was just like there to almost like to do it because like she she's a fucking punk. Like, like I, I have a protect trans kids like sticker. It's like I'm not I'm not trans, but it's just, like it's what I believe in. It's like from the literally from the beginning of the movie, she's just like hella fucking punk about protecting everyone so it's like yeah like why not i didn't read it i didn't really read it like that but again it's, it's like it's like what you said like if she is it's fucking cool um like i'll take the liberty to inject like the movie but it's not the way i took it either yeah there's some people that have taken it that way as like like in a bisexual lighting kind of way sure um so which is fine because it honestly her colors are the colors of the trans flag sure my mm-hmm. only point is they've always been those cover- colors mm-hmm. and that's never been the intention but if that's something they direction they want to go, great. I'm happy with that. I think it was used as a statement of positive trans inclusion, while also telling a similar story where she doesn't, she's not what her father expected her to be. Right. That's the whole point. So, um, that being said, I I struggled when I was thinking ahead of time, what do I want to ask Josue first? <laughs> and then I realized there's only one question to ask Josue first. Josue. Tell me about our boy Hobie, Spider Punk. Hobie was the best. Oh, oh my <laughs> God, Hobie was just like I think for sure my star breakout of of the movie. Yeah, I was like like the from frame one from the first sound of the movie. It is about Gwen. This is definitely more of, of a Gwen story than it is about the, uh, the all all of it being a Miles movie uh, because then everything is about Spider Man's. But fucking Hobie, Jesus. Block. He was just so awesome. I fuck his the way he was animated was just already so cool. The different styles, the different like intersecting imagery. It's, it's it's a um it's a zine. Yes, he's a living zine is what he is. The the fact that his like like I was looking into the fact that his his, his jacket was like they they did like the the thing from like the first movie where his jacket was actually at different frame rates than like his whole aesthetic, and that's why it ended up being like almost like a focal point for his whole character while making it jarring at the same time. It was just like, he was such a cool fucking character to when he unmasks himself. And it's what Miles has said. What Miles says on the movie is just perfect. Like how the fuck are you cooler without the mask? He was awesome. <laughs> he was so distracting. He was so perfect. He was such a perfect street Brit punk that I didn't know until after the movie that that was Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, I was. So I, 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 I knew ahead of time. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had forgotten. I had forgotten about it. I forgot about like the the all of the cast. Um, 
that one that was after the movie was like well fuck now i want to see it again so i can hear him because he was just so good at it where it's like i'm not sure if i talked about it here but it's like i've been saying that um i'm sure he's been told like yo maybe can you polish up the brit the brit accent a little bit or oh you should do your get out accent because it sounds really really good and this one he knew he was gonna play like a street brit punk so he's like you know what i'm gonna get fucking rough with it because he was awesome he sounded so good (laughs) yeah he is amazing he stole the show Every time he was on the screen, his straight up punk anarchy at all costs thing was Make, both, making stuff, and then all for a purpose. <laughs> it so and good. yeah, it, it was it was a joke, and it was a pastiche of people who are like anarchy at all times because it's that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't just have anarchy. Anarchy is a goal, or anarchy is a tool to get to the world you want. You don't want <laughs> always anarchy. That's stupid. But I love that it came off that way, but then you realize, no, it's so much more than that. And it was such a good turf. That being said, let's switch over to another one. Indian Spider-Man. Spider-Man India was, oh, he was awesome. He was awesome. He was fantastic. <laughs> the hair, man. I thought of you, actually. I thought of that hair. I was like, oh, Sway could totally pull this off. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I used to ha- I honestly, I, I was thinking about it back now, when my hair was short, when I first started, that kind of was like the hair I had. That's great, dude. That's what, I kinda, I, that's what it grew out of, actually, to be honest. I loved him. Um, obviously, Jessica Drew was great. Oh, um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed her. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of the voice actress. She's really really amazing. Issa Rae. Is Issa Rae. Oh yeah, incredible. Um, and my boy. Here's we're gonna get to some more heavier spoilers. Uh, Miguel, dude, he was intense. Hardcore man. He was intense. But he has always been the Spider-Man that's not funny. That's the whole point. Uh huh. And I thought that worked out really well. Um. I think Oscar Isaacs did an insanely good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved him. I, I love 2099, though. I've always loved that character. Like He's probably the first Spider-Man I loved, to be honest. No, nice. So, yeah, what do you think? I mean, his intensity was... like I mean, it's almost like every time he would come on screen or something else would get revealed, and it's like, oh, like why, is he, why, why is he this way? Um, you would ask yourself, are you you're thinking that, but... He 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 just always comes off, or at least like Oscar would also. Um, his performance was like you could feel the weight on his shoulders. Like he wasn't just being an asshole to be an asshole. It's like he he was carrying like all this this whole spider society, like basically. Um, but he, yeah, he he was he was fucking great. Um, I did like the shots where like yeah, he was never like the funny Spider Man, but he was never, he was never also like totally super serious. Uh, so I did like almost like this like opposite rendition of like what we're kind of used to in the comics. Where in this movie he we have this like super super serious twenty ninety nine, but then outside in the year twenty ninety nine it actually looked really happy and like looked like this like really peaceful oasis. <laughs> and, really and I'm used to like this like really dark and bleak like dystopian future um, on this much happier twenty ninety nine. So I was like I like the 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 juxtaposition there. <laughs> I uh, I have to believe it's not a coincidence that the Spider Man named Miguel. His Earth is nine two eight, which is the area code for Yuma, Arizona. Oh my God, dude! Yeah, that, that, they just—it's—it's it's so specific. I know. <laughs> I, I can't—I can't believe that's not. So. Um, let's talk about one of my, one of my favorite underrated villains ever. Is Spot. Dude. Um, I, I love him so much. He went from a bumbling fool to one of the scariest motherfuckers that's ever been on screen. And even and even his origin story was off of a joke from the previous movie too. 
like it's like this whole this whole character is kind of a joke but yeah like oh man he was fucking awesome like the him discovering like oh what i can really do and then just everywhere yeah and he went from a joke to by the end of the movie he looked like something jeff lemire would write in the scariest horror book you've ever seen (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i was like jesus fucking christ what the fuck i was really disturbed um i loved it uh I just, I think the acting obviously is great. I think the story is great. I think I told us way the only thing I didn't like about it is it's only part one of part of two parts, at least two parts. We'll see. I think it's going to be two. But at the very um, least, this was this was a much better. This is a, a redemption feeling. This, <laughs> when it happened to be continued, my first thought, or my second thought, because the first thought I was like, okay, that was awesome. My second thought was like, this is redemption for Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a long time healing process, but it, it finally happened and the, it was so worth it for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> um last thing I want to really highlight. Oh, two things. First of all, the soundtrack. Uh the soundtrack kick ass oh. and um I think I like it more than the first one. Yes. Um dude, yes, absolutely. Metro Boomin fucking killed it. He Understood the assignment and fucking murdered it. I mean, like the the first one just has sunflower and maybe like in the opening track. It's, oh it, it just, no, it's not as danger familiar. No, that that album it's not as strong as he will make it out to be. This well, is a much stronger one. This is a better soundtrack because the songs weren't obtrusive. They they didn't jump out at you like now we're playing a song. Like it wasn't like that. They were part of the movie to me. On this one, almost or yeah, this one. This yes, one. yes. The other one had some great tracks, but definitely I was like, oh, okay, we're making a transition because there's a new song going on. Like, what's up, Danger? When What's Up, Danger started, you're like, okay, something else is happening. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that. This, it was all, it was part of the tapestry. It was part of the background. It was yeah, amazing. It was, it was so good. And there was also a lot more Latin influence in this soundtrack than the previous one, which actually reflects yeah. the movie because they really focused on his mother's side of the family quite a bit in this movie. Oh my God, bro. Are you kidding me? At the end of it, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely team Miles Morales. Like when he reveals like that one, it's like, I'm on his team. I, I don't care about Miles Morales. I want Miles Morales like so fucking yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, that was great, great reveal. Um, I actually just recently, we were having a discussion in the Discord and um, we were talking about Miles. If he didn't have the name Spider-Man, what code name would you give him? And everybody was throwing things out. And I said, honestly, I'd lean into like something in Spanish, like, 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 um, like Anya, you know, Anya's code oh, right. name was in Spanish. I would, I would lean some of that because I think the main thing that gets lost, gets lost in Miles Morales is the Morales. Yeah. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, Oh, like the black Spider-Man. I'm like, he's half black. First of all, yeah. I'm like, he's something else. And you're completely ignoring that too. Like, so seeing it really focused on heavily in this one. Plus, when they were having that rooftop party and that food looked amazing. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, oh, that was that was a great fucking scene too. I miss Mexican food. I love that scene. Now. That scene carries so much weight for like later, where like the whole captain's explanation. It's like oh, and then to just think that he wasn't there. <laughs> it was really really good. Just also shout out to the vulture at the beginning because he looked insanely incredible. Oh yeah. What a design! No, yeah, no, I, I love that. It's I love that. It's like the first ten full minutes is just Gwen. It's just Gwen. I love that so much. And then, t- and then the the title drop. It is like that's awesome. Hell of an intro. Yeah. Fucking had me tears instantly going. 
I also, um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, because obviously with this movie, this is going to be the big highlight. It's probably the best animation I've ever seen in my life. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is one shot that literally took the breath from me. It's when Miles and Gwen are talking on the roof and she stands on the gargoyle oh. and walks to the other side. And the sound design, the visual design, everything yeah. was so fucking perfect. It took my breath away. Yeah. Like I was just, I just had this warm feeling of happiness when it happened. It was insane. But there were so many moments like, like again, I talk about what's up danger, you know, that great shot from the first one where he does the backflip off the wall. And oh, right. Like that's, that was that shot for this movie for me. Okay. But it was so much more subtle and meant so much more. Mm-hmm. Like I loved it. Oh, I've got, the, but every, every imagery was great. All the various Spider-Mans. Yeah. I want to mention too, at least um, Andy Samberg did kill it with uh, Rudy uh, Ben Riley. <laughs> I saw some dude complaining. He's like, that's my favorite Spider-Man. And they made him a joke. I'm like, your favorite Spider-Man is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, um, ben Riley's great, but he's he's angsty as fuck, dude. He's from the 90s. And- exactly. And then the other one, out of like all of them, like they, they were all super cool to look at. Okay, well, sorry, 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 sorry. Josh Keaton, mwah, mwah, you came back to me, baby. Spectacular Spider-Man was there. And he actually said something. So Spectacular Spider-Man sequel was in this. Um, but what I want to talk about was like, yeah, I mean, all the Spider-Mans that we know and we love. But the one, were you were you just surprised to see Spinnerette? Uh, for a brief second, I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, no, that makes 100% sense. Well, yeah, I know. But, but it's like the fact yeah, yeah. how new she is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think that's really cool to time it like with mm-hmm. the release of the character so quote closely and then it made me be like i want okay first of all i'm i have to wait for this to come out on you know streaming so i can dissect slow-mo. it yeah i'm dissect but i'm like how many of the other ones like is is spinstress in there somewhere you know I was oh like, i know i was thinking of all those so yeah no definitely that was really cool and then not a spider-man but we have to talk about it donald glover oh oh my god oh my god the mcu updates that we got in this one well, well first of all the, the fact that miguel call actually called the mcu uh 199 999 yeah. is th- thank you for that and then this <laughs> and then this mcu update that this aaron davis has actually been up to stuff since homecoming yeah he went to another universe because they're having to put him back so where was he mm-hmm. and he's the prowler yes he's in the prowler he's suit. in the fucking suit <laughs> so yeah um yeah i I do love the shout out of the 1999 because uh i imagine mon Villani from uh miss marvel like oh yeah turning to feige be like see it's not the 616 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um but seeing him in that was great i would love to see him live action someday but Oh, I know. Yeah, the, the, that was a fucking great review, a great surprise. I and then just like to put all the all the dots together in your own head without like just what he was doing. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Also, the shout out about like uh, what Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and that 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 universe did to oh, yeah. tear up the multiverse. There's that one little shout out call out. I'm like amazing. So. Okay, I think we talked it to death. Anything you want to add before we go, move on? Uh, I just want to see it again. So bad. I I do too, um, <laughs> but I want to see it differently. I guess like mm. with somebody or something. Oh, but gotcha. I can be frustrating to watch movies with because I like to talk, like whisper. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Oh, um, did you show Amanda the first one? 
Yes, uh, she wasn't up to going tonight. Okay, but she really enjoyed the first one. Awesome, good. But we're we're in the middle. She fell in love with the Orville and fell in love with uh, <laughs> Shadow and Bone. So we've been watching that every night, basically. So. Oh, dope. All right, but yes, uh, long story short, two thumbs up. <laughs> Good stuff. Yep, very. <laughs> so, all right, let's move on and talk about some comics. And as always, we don't start with a bang, we start with a boom. Boom Studios is our first publisher, and we're going to talk about one of our favorite books and a massive time skip. Hmm. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number six. Oh, yes. Written by Jason Aaron, illustrated by Leila Del Duca. Colored by Tamara Bond villain. And uh, do they have a letter? I don't see a letter listed here. I guess not. Um, with additional art by Alexandra Tafinki and colored by Leo Luffridge, because as we got a time skip, we got an artist change. Um, I loved this. It, we, we get this massive time skip. For a quick reminder Once Upon a Time in the World is about two young people in a post apocalyptic universe. Uh, one is a tough, badass ranger. The other is a spoiled brat dude who lived a coddled life. And they basically find a life together and essentially fall in love. And the first volume was really great, and you should pick it up if you haven't read it. This is them aged up a bit. And you can tell because they're naked almost the entire book. (laughs) (laughs) And... Happy Pride Month, everybody. That's all I'll say. (laughs) There's so much great Pride shit in this. I'm about just, you know, exploring who you are. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I have a feeling this is the this is the honeymoon phase. Oh, man. (laughs) Because we know it doesn't go great at the end because we've been seeing flash forwards. Yeah. So I think this is the happy time. And I'm going to enjoy it while I can. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, I tried to think how to talk about it. Um, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I like the idea of it. Uh, I do love the, the concept of, because it's, it's almost a metaphor of how you can lose yourself when you fall in love with somebody, how you can lose yourself and ignore everything bad around you because you have one good thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. And it's just very actually happening in this where it's literally <laughs> like they're surrounded by desiccation and death, but they're just too busy fucking to care. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not even a metaphor at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I absolutely love that. Um, the bathtub was great. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like they also meet some friends. <laughs> as i said uh, my favorite shot of the entire issue is when the two girls are laying in bed together and he's just sitting there eating cereal <laughs> <laughs> he's like doop 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 <laughs> like i love that uh but it's it's just really good and it's building into something really cool so i really liked it what did you think um <laughs> so i read the, i read this at the shop uh, the day before it came out um i'm putting up the dcs for the week um and nico is putting up the the rest of the stuff for the week for the next day um they start reading this and I just hear, Oh my, as it starts. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, that's funny. And then like, for like two pages later, like not, not that far after that. Oh my. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I want, I need to read this shit. What the fuck's going on? And then it took a long pause. And then you just hear a, <gasps> and it's like, what the fuck is this book? So I want, I finally got my hands on it. It was very much, oh my, oh my, little pause into a gasp. Like, it was such a great pride issue in this desolate world. Like, the fact that they are just talking 
communicating, exploring each other, what they do, what they don't like. And the fact that they just learned like that they're also poly towards the end, like, oh my God, I fucking love this book so much. Um, there's just so much heart to this book. And I just and I love it so much. It was like, yeah, was it uh, it was a very sexualized book, but it was just like and it was about sex. It was about fucking, but it it could not be almost like further from it because of how much heart is there is in this book. It's just like all the context just like washes that away and just it adds so much. Oh, I love this yeah. book so much. And it's great because it is young, stupid love. Yes. That's the whole point. Like it's, yeah, what they keep say, basically saying, marry me. And it's just That's like, so cute. Like, just because- <laughs> part of it was like, you don't mean that, but you do mean it. You know what I mean? Like there's a reality there. And I, I just thought that was adorable. I love it. Yeah. So what a book, man. Fuck. <laughs> Everybody should be reading this book. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Might be boom book of the year. Honestly, it's it's really getting up there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about IDW. I got one book, and Josue is distraught that he doesn't get to review this one. Yeah, I'm like a day late. <laughs> Breath of Shadows 5. Fuck. Which is the finale. Mm-hmm. Written by Rich Duick, art by Alex Cormack, and letter by Justin Birch. Great cover, by the way. Oh, it's fantastic. The, 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 the fact that he's always smiling at the splitting, it's it's so fucking great. I can't give this a full review because it would spoil everything. Yeah. And the point of Rich Duick books is the ending. The ending. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> um, I will say this. I think it ends in a way that's very different than other Rich Duick books. What? In a good way. Okay. Um. I think, okay, so the first one was about, you know, a very small group. Mm -hmm. The second one was about a slightly larger group, but it's a a self-contained thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a bottle episode being stuck marooned out in the ocean, yeah. Yeah, they're both kind of bottle episodes. This one is a bottle episode, but the ending has an implication of larger stakes, Uh is what I'll say. So... I definitely think it ends differently, and I think you're gonna fucking love it. <laughs> awesome. So, like that—that's what I'll say. I think it's really. Good. I mean, yeah. No, I literally just got—I I had just gone to to the indigenous tribes. I was like, oh, like where did they take them from here? Or or the the pants? Like, I have no idea where the fuck it could go from there. Uh, I need I need this ending. It's very much like it's a horror book, but the ending was very much a horror movie. Oh, good. Like, this is a potential horror movie ending. Good, good, good. So, this is one good final act. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It was really, really good. So everybody pick it up. The trade will be out soon. Totally worth it. Uh, next up, I'll talk about Dynamite. I got um, Maleficent 2, which has this cover. Oh, ooh. And uh, let's see. Creative team written and illustrated by Sue Lee and letter by Jeff Eckleberry. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be like an anthology thing where different stories of her past and stuff, but it turns out this follows up directly after the first issue, which is about a young boy who tries to steal her staff and she punishes him. Well, his older brother shows up to try to find him and they come into conflict basically because he's trying to find him and she's like, he got punished. He deserved it, you know, and she's basically toying with this guy. It is really, really good. Um, It definitely... Whereas the Scar book definitely has Scar as the main character, this is more Maleficent as the evil force on the outside. That's lurking in the in the background kind of thing. Um, 
but it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to make Manda read it because Manda's a huge Disney villain fan. Uh, so I think she would really enjoy it. But I, I thought it was really well done. And uh, I'm excited to see more. And I'm, I just can't wait to see what villain they're going to do next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this, actually, this has actually been a really cool rotation. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess Shere Khan would be fun. A Shere Khan one? <laughs> But I mean, you can't do Scar and then Shere Khan. You gotta do another human or something. <laughs> At that point, I, I want an Iago one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I don't know. It'd, it'd be really interesting. But Jafar would be a great one, though. He fucking has all the obviously sorcery. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. But I uh, really enjoyed it. I think uh, everybody should check it out. Uh, a lot of fun. Dynamite is doing good stuff, whether I like it or not. No. <laughs> you know, Jafar um, had to kill the motherfucker to get his position. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Like, yeah, definitely. And then I thought there was another announcement. Oh, they're bringing Darkwing Duck back for another volume, so that's cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I did well. Also, the next uh, the next Maleficent has a um, has a uh, cover by uh, Jay Lee. So, oh, ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I need, I need to scope that one out. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up, uh, it's the one in the preview at the back. Oh no, shit. Okay. Oh damn. Okay, I can't wait. Let me double check because this is Jay Lee. Oh, is oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm just noticing like the, the the boy's face. It is very J. But uh, this one looks like a J Lee cover, um, very much so. I'm trying to pull it up here. Oh yeah, very much. Oh, what the? Yeah. Oh, okay. I do need yeah. I do need that cover specifically. Yeah, sound great. All right, next up is Dark Horse. Man, dude. Okay, let's talk about Hairball. <laughs> Holy fuck, this, this book, I use this term sometimes, and I mean it as much as I've ever meant it. This book is messing with my normal. Um, script by Matt Kitt, art and letters by Tyler Jenkins, colors by Hillary Jenkins. It's about this cat, right? This cat with the weird mismatched eyes. Yeah. And it's causing all these horrible things to happen to this family. And the story is this girl telling thing, telling her therapist about it about all the horrible things it burned down their house her parents got separated she has to go live with her aunt in the country the cat comes with her um and the aunt doesn't understand that she just thinks that the child is disturbed uh she doesn't get that something supernatural is going on and so the kid keeps doing these things like she um at one point she goes she goes down to the basement tries to I think she found the cat and tries to stab it to death and the aunt finds her with cuts all over herself she never stabbed the cat she was stabbing herself so oh, she had to shit. yeah it got really weird and dark and then she burns the entire barn down trying to kill it it becomes it's a little over but it comes this whole thing this is not the end though there's at least one more issue it's been a really intense story, <laughs> like, like very much like a, I don't know, man, like, like a, a good horror movie. This is another re- really great horror movie, like done in that classic, like 90s style of horror of the invincible monster that you can't get rid of kind of thing. So I really, really liked it. Um, highly recommend it if, if that's in, what you're into. And if you don't like cats, like I don't really care for cats. This is a great story. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up is what not publishing and we are going to talk about one of my favorite books that is unfortunately ending this week with its third issue griffin number three 
Now, Josue has been trying to catch up on Griffin with the limited amount of time that he has, and he was able to read the first book. And I was actually, <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear it. So, um, creative team real quick, uh, script by Ben Kahn, art and colors by Bruno Hidalgo, and letter by Sal Sapriano, with color assistance by James Panathiel. Um, so it only went three issues, um, but they're big issues. They're like 50 pages each. And um, I love this book. I think it's really, really fun. And um, there's there's some great representation in it. Yes. But but also it's the art style is very fun and sketchy and it's it's got a really great sense of humor, but it's also kind of like grim. <laughs> like uh, there's a lot to it. And I just I really enjoy it quite a bit. Um, so, yeah. So I want to get kind of like your first impressions of the first issue you were able to read. I really like when there's just like attitude in space. Like when there's like a really pretty space, but it's just like it's mostly all attitude, and I fucking love it. Um, and the other our sharp protagonist um, being like, like yeah, I, I assume they, they they're the non-binary going by they them, um, yeah. and, and it just and, but yeah, having all that angst of being like I don't want to work for this, I'd rather be on the on the other side of like I, basically I don't even want to help the the resistance. Uh, she like I like that they had their own. Um, uh, fucking explanation for that as well uh, but very very cool I actually really liked the, the art style as well i like when it's, it's, it's like it, it paints for us like the, the type of sci-fi i really enjoy getting into especially for like the angst like uh, underneath it all uh I, mean, I, mean, I was i was really curious to to, to continue it and especially and then like yeah, and then the reveal sort of towards the end because there's like a an x involved that's like i guess like on, on, on the hunt um really really good stuff and just like yeah just like i, I love how mature it is for uh for, for its own good it takes a great turn in issue three. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a really great twist that I'm not going to tell you. Okay. That is fantastic. You just got to read it yourself um, about Griffin's true nature. Um, oh. There is a, it very directly addresses the non-binary thing in, in issue three. Sick. Okay. Whereas it's where it is simply just pronouns in the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much addresses in one specific line of dialogue, their non-binary nature. Oh, good. And the assumptions people make. And it's ah. very cool. I really liked it. Uh, I love the mad scientist dude. He's fantastic. <laughs> like I just, I just really liked it. I, I really, really like the story. I hope it gets collected because uh, I think it'd be a really fun one to have. Because and they're big issues, know, so it's like it would be a, good, a nice little trade. Good size, yeah, definitely. Um, I also wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to um, uh, to Ben, the writer, because Ben also announced a new book. Um, which is the Dashing School for Wayward Princes. Princes. It's a middle school graphic novel. It tells the story of Leo, a supposed prince who knows deep down that she's really a princess. Despite the school's rigid and outdated gender norms, Leo and her newfound misfit friends find the courage to embrace themselves and stand up to anyone who says otherwise. I'm excited about that. I'm going to get that too. So, Uh, But yeah, I I really... um, I really enjoyed this. I can't. I can't stress this enough. That everybody should be picking this book up. So, uh, definitely check that out and check out the creative team because uh, if they did this, they're going to be doing a lot of other great stuff. So, uh, but that's all I got for whatnot. I am ready to move on to Scout, and uh, I got three books from Scout this week. Uh, two new ones and an old familiar. Let's start with Sudden Death Number One. Uh, written by Alexander Banks Jongman, art by Robert Ahmad, and letter by DC Hopkins. This is a really cool story. I, it uh, hooked me. 
Uh, so the art style is very much like indie comics art style. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about this dude who's kind of a piece of shit, but he wants to get um, he wants to get uh, custody of his daughter, and it's all him trying to do it. But he's also a piece of shit. So he like, goes to a bar and tries to pick up a chick to have sex and all this stuff. He does. And it's just really interesting. He's just like, again, not a good person, basically. Um, he goes, basically, he, he crosses the road when he shouldn't and gets hit by a truck. And this happens to him. Oh. Right? And you're like, oh, shit. What's this? Where's this going? And then it flashes through his whole life. And then it cuts to him in the hospital. And this doctor's like, you were hit by a truck five hours ago. You're basically pulverized and you're completely healed. And we have no idea why. And they're like, uh, that's weird. Yeah. And then apparently one of the nurses leaked the information to the public. So now there's like a whole bunch of people outside cheering him on being like the immortal man, the Superman. Mm. And just to show you the kind of piece of crap this dude is, um, this is his reaction to it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I could do something with this, basically. Then it cuts to an unrelated woman, which who I hope is his ex-wife. We haven't confirmed that, but I think it'd be great. And she comes home to her husband who's just sitting on the chair. And she's talking to him. And suddenly he grabs his chest in pain. She goes, honey, and this happens to him. Ooh. Ooh. It almost looks like he got hit by a truck, right? <laughs> yeah. So this dude, from what I'm gathering, is can send his injuries to other people. Oh, that's fucked up. That's fucked up, right? And this dude's an asshole, so he'll do it. Like, I I really liked it. I honestly, early on, I was like, okay, it's like a drama about him getting his kid back. I didn't think there's gonna be anything supernatural about it. And then that happened. I was like, okay, that's a hell of a hook. <laughs> I was like, that's really good. So. Um, yeah, really enjoy that one. Uh, I always love a good number one from Scout. They always they never uh, disappoint, so definitely worth a check out. Next one is uh, Katrina's Caravan, the Night of La. Say it for me one more time. Um, the Night of the Lechusa of La Lechusa. Okay, great. Uh, from Scout uh, via their imprint Chispa. Um, this is written by Hector Rodriguez III, art by Guillermo Villarreal, letters by Hector as well. Um, Sorry, this is let's use as an owl if that makes more sense to you for the context th- yeah the owl lady i'm assuming yeah so okay um yeah that makes a lot of sense we'll talk about that <laughs> so katrina's caravan uh katrina is this performer telling stories um and Aww. and basically goes out tells a story to this crowd about um let's see here right um basically like um telling a story about her people essentially is the idea and it cuts to modern times outskirts of rio grande by the mexican border uh a young mexican father and his his very young child are trying to cross the border some fucking quote volunteer assholes Mm -hmm. stop them and harass them and they're they're just in case you think they could be good people the book makes it very clear they're not because they say shit like, um, uh, are you sex traffickers? Uh, something about, um, there was, they, they quote a bunch of fucking, um, uh, 
Fox News bullshit. Yeah, probably complaining about Target and shit. They said that uh, Pelosi is Barry's grandmother. Pelosi is going around college or Africa during college, being wild, getting around. She was uh, she was in Africa collecting money for her pizza parlors for her sex rings. That makes Barack Hussein an accomplice by blood. Like it just goes on and on. Um, but yeah, then suddenly they're attacked. And the thing is, the thing that attacks them kills the father first, the Mexican father, mm. which I thought was a choice. And then it proceeds to rip through everybody there except for the child. Mm. And you don't really get a good solid shot of their full, of the full body. Okay. But like that's the monster basically. Okay, cool. So, yeah, and then it wraps up with Katrina finishing the story and then the door open or um so she's wearing a mask while she's telling the story, a candy school mask. Yeah. And then removes it. <gasps> yes. And then attacks the crowd. Oh, zig. <laughs> so, really cool. Uh I don't know if this is a one shot. Mhm. It feels like it's probably a one shot to be honest, but um, yeah, really liked it. I thought it was great. That was um, dope. I, I, I should make it up. Yeah, definitely. As uh, even though I'm painfully white, I lived in Yuma long enough, like <laughs> that. I, I have touched Mexican culture for like a long yes. time, so it's really cool. Um, I actually discovered I was I was hearing someone speak in Spanish the other day, and I realized I could understand everything they were saying. <laughs> it was really weird. I was like, "Oh, what the fuck?" <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was like, "What? How'd that happen?" I've never learned Spanish. Like yeah, it's really great. So, but I I loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, definitely made me think of you. Obviously, I think it's something you would really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Because that whole imprint, it's just a brilliant idea. Yeah, it, yeah. I should definitely uh, be on the scope out for for Chispa. Final one by the Horns Dark Earth number nine. Nice. Uh, we did a spoiler free preview of this one. Fun fact: When I did the spoiler free preview of this one the first time, uh, I did a full spoiler version of the review and then immediately realized I did and we <laughs> had to re-record right. it. <laughs> Uh, so I literally spoiled every page of this book before. <laughs> um, story and direction by Mickey's and Nasso. Art lettering designed by Jason Moreland, colored by Steve Cannon. But I, I managed to catch it before, obviously, we put it out. But it just made me laugh. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, this is the one with this character design that I showed you. Yes, yes. That you absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a lot going on in this one. The cool thing about this is kind of the bad guys are coming together as almost like like the Injustice League, I guess is the best way to put it. It's all these different bad guys coming together to work together because they all hate Elodie and her team, basically. And it's really, really cool. I mentioned a very interesting um, conveyance, like uh, vehicle, because the way they design stuff in this world is always insane. So I wanted to show it to you. It's like an airship, but it's got oh. this fucking sky whale that carries it I, I, that's one of my favorite things just like literally just like it's a, a space like water like marine life <laughs> that's there's awesome an, there's an underwater shot of it oh, under, so good. Under, under, under shot of it so yeah yeah i love it the 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 thing i mean i love everything about this book but if there's one thing that people should really check out it's just the design the mm-hmm. world building it's amazing also the cover for the next one is an underwater horror thing <sighs> Like that looks cool as hell. So I'm very excited yeah. to see where that goes. So love it. Love by the horns. Everybody read it. It's great. And they're very, very good people too. So next up is opening the vault. Um, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to find Godfall this week. Godfell this week. 
Um, it was sold out of my bookstore, so I wasn't able to read it. Um, I'm going to try to hunt it down, but there's not a lot of other stores nearby that are easy to access. So it's hard for me to make a run to a second store, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm going to start putting everything on my pull list because I think that's just what I got to do at this point. So that being said, I do have a vault book to talk about, which is Money Shot Comes Again Part 2. Uh, I have the Not Safe for Work cover. Let me see. It's, it's by the way, it's a connecting cover. Uh, so. Oh, really? Over the cost? Oh, okay. I need, I need all these. I need all these. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Our, <laughs> let me do the creative team. I, I, I told us this is the wildest issue of this book I've ever read. Um, written by Tim Seeley, drawn by Giselle Lagasse, uh, colored by Carlos Badia Z, and lettered by Crank. Um, so, Basically, our team is after a billionaire who shot him off and sought himself off into space. They have to stop him because he's an asshole. And um, we get a flashback to Chris's childhood where when she couldn't sleep, her mom would put her in front of the TV and turn on public television, which introduced her to a character called Dr. Earth, which is URF. And he is basically Bill Nye, but with a globe on his head. Uh-huh. And he's adorable. And he's like, welcome to Dr. Earth's Earth. I'm your host, Dr. Earth. And he talks about the planet. And he's like, you know, like, you know, I, do you know why you think about the planet so much? Because there's so much we to know about it. And he's just like very much the kind of like friendly scientist you know he's like when we shine a light in the darkness we call it science and then it led to this immortal shot that i sent her sway of her saying yeah. sigh and and she's adorable and i love her and i'll protect her with all my life but he's just like you know and those people who shine that big light we call them scientists you know what we do with scientists and then it cuts to dr earth in the present and it says exterminate them Ooh. so this guy this billionaire has made androids of a bunch of popular characters. And he sicked them on our team to kill them, <gasps> including Dr. Earth, which is really messing with her because it's <laughs> oh, the no. whole reason she got into science. No. <laughs> um, and I love Chris. Like Chris is probably my favorite of the five, to be honest, because I, I really love her, but it was really distressing. But the thing is, is that he's not the only character there are some characters here, and I, I'm going to give a shout out to Penny Arcade, the comic, because I'm a big fan of Penny Arcade. Something they did really early on is they made a joke about uh, American McGee. I want to say it was Strawberry Shortcake. They made a joke about American McGee making a Strawberry Shortcake instead of Alice in Wonderland thing, mm-hmm. and it was very BDSM. <laughs> and American Greetings, who owns the the character, sued the fuck out of them until they took it down. <laughs> so, oh, Mike. so I want to preface that by saying... I love people who do this shit because it's great. I love calling corporations a task. <laughs> so there are characters that, first of all, there's two that vaguely resemble superheroes. Um, they're probably the most like oblique ones. They could certainly be Captain America and Iron Man, but not. it's not them. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Okay, but... There's also it's just so funny. He is he, the the eagle is very heroes reborn cap. <laughs> There's also this. Oh my god, which is not Mickey Mouse. I don't care what any of you are saying. Of course not. <laughs> and there's also these three. Yay! <laughs> so they're beating them up for justice and love. <laughs> yeah. 
So Do- Dr. Nyan, the, the elephant dude, had given them a little present. And they're like, I don't know what this does, right? They press it, and it resets all these back to normal status. They're, they're back to normal. They're not mm-hmm. attacking them any longer. And they're like, okay, let's, let's kill them all, basically. Let's get rid of them because they're going to attack us again. And then um, they're like, well, wait, we, you know, we have to make money. Like, we can't jump again without money. We don't have any money. We need more sex scenes. We need celebrity cameos. And they all kind of look at these robots <laughs> who are fully functional. It makes a point of that. And it said, um, you know, like, oh, and by the way, when the, when the sailor characters were, were beating up, were beating up, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Um, is it Niels? I think it's Niels. Niels Bohr? Is that's is that the black dude? I always forget their real names. Oh. So um You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, not who you're talking about. Yeah, her, her ex. Um he uh he was getting beat up by the Sailor Scouts and they took out two of them, but Sailor Moon's still there. <laughs> but then Tuxedo Mask came out of nowhere as well. So <laughs> that's awesome. And, and when he's fighting though, I mean not Tuxedo Mask. Right. Someone who's right. definitely not Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> he's fighting them, he says, This is not what I imagined I'd be doing with anime characters when I was a kid. And I'm like, bro. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he was. No, 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 not fighting. Oh. And then yeah, he's like, oh, that's weird. And he's like, and he makes a point. Parody law should cover it if we titled the scenes right. Sailor Poon and XX porn <laughs> satire. And and then Trinity and Doug are like, we're exclusive. And she's like, Well, they're robots. And he's like we make any exceptions. That means our commitment means nothing, babe. What? It's, it's, it's so funny. Like, and he's like, we've watched them in billion dollar damn movies. Let the superheroes watch us. And that's the whole point. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so they match up. Uh, so he get he gets, um, sailor moon and tuxedo mask in a threesome. Um, Trinity and Doug have sex with each other while the two superheroes watch them and jerk off. <laughs> Chris has sex with Dr. Earth. Which has got to be a weird ther- therapeutic thing. A little bit. <laughs> which leaves two people. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. I told you this is the weirdest issue I've ever read. Oh, no. <laughs> and it happens. It happens. And <laughs> it's fantastic because, like, <laughs> like, okay, we're just going to look at some of this. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Oh, they're all full pages. <laughs> That's so good. This one's great. <gasps> no. And then I remember I told you Tuxedo Mask showed up. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so they have this. Uh, meanwhile, in the background is Cherry Pop Tart, who's also <laughs> a copyrighted character <laughs> and is like the main bad guy for the villain and all this stuff. <laughs> There's also this shot that's the most. Gr- <laughs> most weirdly gross sexual thing I've ever seen in a comic. I love it. Is after the orgy. It's zero gravity. So, <laughs> so oh, it's just, fuck. Everything's just floating. It's <laughs> fucking gross. And then they get attacked. Of course. And then we find out they're actually in the middle of a battle between two billionaires. Mm. Uh, there's this other billionaire, Hannah Dorsch, who's just a fucking female edgelord. And yeah, it's great. So that's where it leaves off. Jesus Christ, I loved that. It was so good. I this book never disappoints me. Money Shot is so good. I loved it. So I I cannot wait for you to catch up on Money Shot. That's it for Vault, though. I'm ready to go on to Image. Yes.
Okay, Image Comics, and starting with, it's a weird week for Image Comics because none of the big books really hit, but a lot of other ones. So, Star Signs, uh, number two. Mm. This one's really cool. I think you would dig it, and maybe if you find it in a trade, I think you should pick it up. Nice. The story is by Salty Now Ahmed. So, uh, art's by Megan Levens, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick and Ruth Redman, letters by Sean Lee. It's about all these people that just suddenly have powers, and constellations in the sky have disappeared. All of them, so far at least, related to the signs of the zodiac. And there's someone like trying to gather them all. And uh, the main girl we know is Taurus. And we meet a couple more in this book, uh, Jim and I, and a couple others. And it's just kind of like, okay, so they have powers, and someone's trying to gather them for different reasons. And I, re- I really like it. Um, there's definitely the implication that there's 12 of them. And we're just slowly being introduced to them. There's also a, like some kind of organization, evil organization behind a lot of stuff trying to get them together. So it's going to be one of those kind of things. I really like it. I think it's been really well done. Um, I love the writing. And I didn't realize it was Saladin Ahmed right away. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because he's a great writer. So, um, But yeah, really recommend Star Signs. It was really, very good. Next up is Emma Kubert's Stoneheart number four. This book has been so good and such a beautiful little self-contained story, and I just love it. Um, so, creative team, where are you? You're at the very back, aren't you? Um, it's not a complicated creative team. I think it's just Emma Kubert, to be honest with you. And her um, husband, right? I think does uh Not in this book. Oh, okay. I, think. I think all they have is a letterer, okay. if I correctly. Um, but I'll find it. But this one's been really good because um, the main character is dealing with uh, her name is Shade. She's dealing with the fact that she um, she's been lied to. Like everybody's been lying to her. Everybody's been using her, and she has this insane amount of power inside of her that could be released. Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to use her to get to it. And there's this one guy, and it's one of my favorite tropes is the guy that is working for the bad guy but falls in love with the main character in the meantime. Like, I love that trope. It's great. Nice, yeah. Um, so that happens in this one. And he's really torn up about it. It's really interesting. It makes it an interesting thing. So, um, yeah, really, really great book. And I love the way she draws her because she's just really, like, she's so cute. And she has freckles. And she does this really cool, um, I'm trying to find a picture where it would actually show up on camera. She does this cool, like, um, I guess that might be a good one, maybe. She like it's almost like a pattern in the background, like like a layer she put on. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like you know, yeah. It's really cool, like a hidden eye, like a magic eye picture, mm-hmm. but one layer of it. And so it, it makes gives her like these random freckles, which I really like. So, yep, really good. Really enjoying that book. Next up is I hate this place, number nine, aka fuck this place, number nine. This book is so funny because it's gone so many places. I swear. <laughs> um. Written by Kyle Starks, uh, art by Artyom Topilin, uh, colors by Lee Luffridge and Artyom Topilin, and letter by Pat Brasso. So, the girl's um, dad, who doesn't, who is hates that she's a lesbian. He he's a, like runs a little doomsday cult. Uh, he's trying to capture them. He's working with some organization, some military organization. <laughs> so we have ghosts, right? In the whole first volume, we had ghosts. Then we got introduced at the beginning of this volume to time travel because uh, someone came back in time to try to prevent them from making a mistake that would end the world later on. 
So we got time travel, and then we got introduced to because they found the gadget that was causing everything, and is the thing that's keeping the ghosts out of the house, which is, from what I gather, alien technology. So there's also <laughs> aliens in this world. Awesome. And, and what's really cool is the ghosts actually help the girls against the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And what we discover is the ghosts can kill by doing by killing. Um, they can do whatever killed them. Oh. So they can oh. reflect their death on other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so these ghosts are attacking these like fully armored dudes, and they're like, hey, you know, these bad guys are like, hey, shout out, you know, uh, yell out what you see. And so one guy gets an, a bow and arrow shot at him, and it bounces off. Yeah. And so he yells, antique weapon, no threat. And then there's like a bear, like bear, someone has bear claws. It's like bear attack, armor will take care of it. You know, um, close range firearm, armor defended it. And then the ghost hunter from last time was bitten by the giant uh, spider. And so he kills one. Oh, shit. And they're like, oh, spider attack, guard your next boys. Like, they're just like evaluating <laughs> all these threats, right? And the, I believe it's her uncle, uh, they told him to keep back, right? Mm-hmm. He was a ghost. Um, and it was great because they're they're killing all these. That, oh, there's one person that uh, drowned, and they can just drown people by touching them. Okay. And so they're they're drawing all this attention to the bad guys, and her uncle just walks up and does this. Mm-hmm. And that dude drops dead, and it's like, why'd you hold him back? How did he die? And it's him just walking. It flashes back to him walking out of the house, like, wow, it's you know, it's a beautiful place. And then he just falls over dead, and said he had an aneurysm. So we can just give people aneurysms. Oh, shit. And says, and you can't dodge that. So he's just dropping soldiers left and right. Holy fucking crap, dude. (laughs) Like, it's so cool. That's cool. Um, So messed. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so scary. It escalates. It's got a really cool action climax. Uh, I think there's going to be one more issue, at least to the volume, but maybe two, but I think one. Uh, But it was really well told. I loved it. It was such a great action sequence. I didn't think this book was going to get a second volume. And when it did, I was like, what are they going to do, though? You know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is what they're going to do. They're going to throw time travel and aliens at us, and it's going to rock. So <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Definitely totally worth a pickup. So uh, next up is Hell to Pay, number five. Uh, written by Charles Soule, art by Will Sliney, color by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Chris Crank. Um, this is the one with the... Uh, the people with the coins uh, that can summon a demon, you get a, you get a uh, a favor from them, and then you pay them the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, there, we of course one guy, the bad guy, has been trying to make as many coins as he possibly could, so he could actually call the devil and get a favor from the devil himself. Um, it focuses mainly on our female protagonist uh, because her husband was kidnapped by the bad guy, and his soul's getting drained to make coins. And um, long story short. You might remember the person that put the coins on the planet to begin with was Alexander the Great. All right. And they had they had him in a cage. Well, the good guys aren't going to help her, so she like helix out and basically makes a deal with him to help her. She also starts using coins, and each coin is tied to a specific demon that can do a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she calls them, and she doesn't know which demon it is till they get there. And she has to use whatever their talent is to do what she needs to do. So, like, she happens to get a demon that can teleport her. And basically, she asks to bring her husband to her. 
And the demon's like, you sure? She's like, yep. And she's like, okay. And it teleports her to her husband because technically that's the rule. Shit, like, yeah. They can do that. And she's like, fuck, I should word this better. Like, <laughs> It's just really interesting. I really like it. Uh, I think the first arc is has one issue left. And there is a letter at the end from Charles Soule talking about volume two, which is great because I've really, really enjoyed this book. Um, I do want to see more. So really good. Next up. I thought this was the end, but I guess not. Noctera 15. Ooh, okay. Written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel, colors by Marcelo Maiolo, and letter by Anne World Design. Um, yeah, long story short, they they find the place with all the light, the, the place they've been looking for this entire time. Yeah. But it's not what they were looking for. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. It, can't, it can't really be shared with the rest of the world. You just have to hunker down. They're like, you're welcome to join us, and it's just lying like, no, that's not what we're here for. We're trying to save everybody, yeah. essentially. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Blacktop Bill shows up and, of course, ruins everything because that's Noctera. Um, so <laughs> um, he shows up. He's attacking them all. And um, it leads to a mind meld between uh, the main character's young brother, Emery, mm-hmm. and Blacktop Bill, where they um, they mind meld and they're basically struggling back and forth to control like the darkness and stuff. It's really interesting I do think at most there's like one, maybe two, three issues of the most left in this run. Sure. Um, the next issue is Noctera Nemesis special. So it's a special, not an actual issue. So that might be the last issue. Yeah. But yeah, it's been really, really cool. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, the art's always good. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really dig it. And my final image book of the week. <sighs> Another book that's messing with my normal. Love Everlasting, number eight. Written by Tom King. Art by Elsa Charretier. Uh, colors by Matt Hollingsworth and letter by Clayton Cowles. I... Okay. In the last issue of this book, y- y'all might remember this as a girl who keeps uh, living through various, like, cliche romance stories. <laughs> yes. And keeps rejecting them and getting shot and killed and she wakes up in another one. In the last issue, she she started a story called too hip for love where she was like a cool hip girl. And this boring Clark Kent looking motherfucker was like, I have a crush on her. And she's like, no. And the whole cliche story is she learns to love the normal plain guy and they get married and happy. And she doesn't want to do it because she just, none of this is working for her. And she's so beaten down by the fact that, she keeps living these lives and dying over and over and over that she just basically is like fine. But in the last issue, the last issue, she obviously wasn't enthusiastic about it, but he took it as enthusiasm. Like she's like, do you want to get married? And he's like, of course. And so they just have this oh whirlwind romance that she's just like, clearly doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. This whole issue, even though it's like three chapters, it keeps having the title of, too hip for love because it's in this life still and she's living through her whole life you find out that she actually goes to a therapist because the therapist or she keeps forgetting what year it is which people think means she's like you know not all there but it's because she's lived through multiple lives and she's getting mixed up and stuff like that Mm -hmm. they have two kids which is a very big implication that she's been there a while you know what i mean she's living through her life and she's just like it's just this whole like cliche expectations of a housewife thing. And, but there's like really dark images to it. Like she's at one point, this cat keeps coming in their yard 
and she takes out her uh, or uh, she takes out her husband's gun and shoots it. <gasps> and someone finds the dead cat with a bullet hole. They're like, oh, it must have been some kid. Uh, and then later on, much later, she admits to her husband, I'm the one that shot it. He goes, I know. He's like, but what do you want me to do about it? Go back to bed. Oh, shit. Basically, it's just kind of like she's just faking being happy when she's so clearly not. Right. And then one day she's home alone and she just happily goes upstairs, pulls out the gun, puts it to her head. And she's talking to the, the cowboy that's there the entire time. And there's this great line. He's like, um, he goes, Joan, what do you think is going to happen here? She goes, what always happens? A new love. He goes, and if you're wrong, if they're right, she's like, they're not. I love the speech. They're not. I remember them. All the Brads and the Chads. That's who I am. I'm not his wife or their mother. That's me. Joan Peterson, the girl lost. And I like how it's like, I always tell you, cowboy, love isn't everlasting. It's just what's here today. And then it cuts back to her and she did not shoot herself. And it's doing like, oh, look at my perfect dinner I made. And the next cover is hers, an old woman. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. And it and it says, you're here so often, Mrs. Peterson. You're such a wonderful wife. And it says, so kind. she's thinking so kind. Thank goodness they don't know the frightening truth. Damn. So it's taking a weird twist and I love it. It's so good. Like <sighs> underrated book as far as like the quality of writing. I love it. And the really stylistic art, it's just such a great book. I really, really enjoy it. It would be rec- a big recommendation for me to everybody out there. So uh, I am ready to move on to DC. Cool. DC Comics. I'm going to start with The Flash number 800, which is an anthology uh, story. And boy, do I love it. Um, so I'll just run through the creative team as I do uh, for every story. Uh, Jeremy Adams, Fernando Passaran, uh, Eau Claire, Albert, Matt Herms, Rob Lay, Mark Wade, Todd Nock, Matt Herms, Rob Lay, Joshua Williamson, uh, Carmine Di Giandomenico, uh, Ivan Placencia, and Rob Lay. <laughs> Rob Lay does the lettering for all of them but the last one. Um, Jeff Johns, Scott Collins, Luis Guerrero, Cy Spurrier, Mike Diodato Jr., Trish Mulvihill, and the final lettering was done by Hassan Atsumani al Um I love the first story, first of all. So we're going to start there. The Jeremy Adams story. It's a bunch of D-list villains meeting up and playing poker. And they're just talking about their, their experiences with heroes, right? So they're like, no, 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 no. They're like, it's so chaotic in Gotham. You can, you can do it. The only downside is if you get caught, you'll be in traction for six months. Ooh. It's like the negative of working in Batman's, you know, town is if you know, you can get away with a lot, but if you ever get caught, he's going to put you in the hospital, basically. Yeah. Someone said, "What about Metropolis?" and says, "It's not Big Blue. I'm worried about. It's all the other stuff. It's constantly attacked by monsters, aliens, giant robots. You can be cracking a safe, and suddenly, boom, a twenty foot, you know, foot squashes you into concrete." <laughs> and they're talking about Coast City. They're like, "Oh yeah, the Greenlands are hardly ever there." And then one guy goes, actually, I had heard that Central City was tough, but I think that's all hype. And they stop. Everybody else stops and looks at him. They're like, Central City is the worst of all. <laughs> and they're like, can you believe this guy? Like, look, let, let me explain something to you. And they say, you ever wonder why none of the other criminals come to Central City? Lex Luthor's, the weirdos from Gotham. Said, because one time the Joker thought Central City would be an easy target. He had all this Joker venom lined up ready to go. Hello, Central City. Blah, blah. He's like, the gas had just started flowing when the Scarlet Speedsters show up. He blew the current puts of crime back towards Gotham, never to return. <laughs> Scariest villain on the planet. He knew that Central City is a no-go. <laughs> and, they, 
they talk about Condiment King, how he went to rob a bank and then suddenly he was in the, dropped in the middle of the desert in Africa. It took him almost a year to make it back home. Oh, shit. Like, they're just talking about how Flash does not fuck around, basically. And they're like, no, that's the one you don't want to fuck with. They talked about one, uh, this amazing story where um, this dude, Mordrew, who's like a wizard, he, ca- he came to town. A little girl stuck her tongue out at him. He stole her lollipop. Flash shows up. Mor- uh, Mordrew teleports to other realities and Flash chases him through the other eyes to get the fucking lollipop. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, man, like you don't fuck with the Flash. And that guy goes, that can't be true. What about the rogues? And they're like, and he says they operate there all the time and someone says that says more about them than anyone else i personally think they're nuts i'm like 100 <laughs> percent. and then i love this line too he's like no no see batman will break some bones superman will take you in iron heights but the flash he'll talk to you give you a chance it's the worst <laughs> to be reminded you could be better and i was like this is one of the best flash comics i've ever read i love it <laughs> And he's like, you guys got to be pulling my leg. And the dude pulls out a bag. He's like, I mean, all this money I'm playing with, I stole from a bank in downtown Central City, right next to the Flash Museum. And look, I'm fine. And they all stop and they're like, what? And then there's a knock at the door like, oh, God, it's too late. And they open it up and it's the Flash being like, hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what a story, dude. I loved it. And then it's immediately followed up by a Mark Wade impulse story straight out of the impulse book. Yeah. That I used to love as a child. It's one of my favorite books. Okay. Um, about Bart as a child being taught by Max Mercury and about how he has no patience. And that's a really good story. The second one is is a really great um uh like kind of tale about uh Barry and Iris and how they use the cosmic treadmill to like visit other worlds without anyone knowing and like date night kind of thing. Um there's a Zoom story that's really good about who he is, what his old concept is, why he's different than the others. That's also a very good story. Um, there's another date night story, but this time from Wally's point of view. Mm-hmm. That was really, really well told. Um, I really, really dug that one. And then um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Now, the curious thing here is, is at the very end, it says, joined Wally and the Flash family in a new number one this September. So uh, that's the first I'd heard of a new Flash number one. At Wait, least that's not going to be for, the the Dan Waters Joe Dada Jr. one. Maybe. Oh yeah, that that one. Okay, I was thinking Flash Family the way they worded it, but I guess yeah. it's Wally. And then now, isn't Wally the the Flash who just died in Titans? Oh. <laughs> it's weird to kill a character and then immediately announce a new number one for them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but other no, that was a really great read. I'm glad I picked it up. I wasn't going to because I haven't been reading Flash, but just that first story alone was great. Yeah, that's cool. So second up is Shazam number two. Written by Mark Wade and Dan Mora, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letter by Troy Pateri. Uh, so this is Billy. Basically, Billy had a problem. Um, he fought a bad guy, and then he like went too far in the last issue. Okay, got a little too aggressive, and he wasn't sure why. Uh, long story short, it happens again in this issue where he's fighting a bad guy, and he um, he's about to blast the dude. Like he causes a bunch more destruction than he normally does. And he's about to blast the dude, and someone says, "You'll kill him." And he said, "So." Oh. And it's oh, it's um, it's a psycho pirate who is fighting. By the way, in case anyone's wondering. And so he's like, "Holy crap! What's wrong with me?" Basically. Mm-hmm. And so he's at the point where he's just like, "I'm gonna swear off. I'm not gonna be the captain anymore. I I can't. I can't control myself." And then um, there's an epilogue where Freddy goes to the Rock of Eternity to get his own powers. 
try to see what he can do. And he sees a meeting of the six gods that give Shazam his powers. Yeah. And from the context, I gather that they are competing over who he will be the avatar of. They're controlling him in some way. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's literally like, I believe this contest is yours to win, you know, and like, like they're, they're just playing with them basically. Um, so that's interesting. And there's a second epilogue. that's only one page for Mary and it literally leads straight into night terrors Shazam. So, and we have night terrors coming up and I don't know this way is very excited about night terrors. I'm excited for one thing in particular, (laughs) that dead man book. Oh my God. That dead air book with, with Boston. uh, I want that book so bad. It's probably gonna be like the retelling, the recaps of like of all the crazy shit going on. But I don't care. I need Dead Man so fucking bad. Yeah, Dead Man should be the front line character. You know, yeah, like the Marvel front line. Make it Dead Man. <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> yeah, but great stuff. Next up is Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number four. Oh boy, this is getting weird. Um, this oh, is yeah. the one where he's he's in the Injustice universe. Mm-hmm. And he's slowly but surely discovering the truth of what's going on. Uh-oh. Yeah. That, his, that, that Clark is bad. Bad news. Um, and uh, written by Tom Taylor. Penciled by Derek Robertson. Inked by Derek Robertson. Norm Rappin. Colored by Jordy Biller. And lettered by Wes Abbott. Um, Damien, in this case, is Nightwing. And oh, so, yeah, he, that's right. He, he doesn't know John, but John's like, I know everything about you. You're my best friend. Yeah, that's basically. such a oh, such an interesting interesting story because yeah, this Damien has no concept of a John Kent. There's just no yeah. relation there, and he he no longer works with Bruce. He's with Superman. Oh man, okay. And Bruce, basically, what happened is they imply that Bruce is responsible for Dick Grayson dying, and that's what caused Damien to to turn on him. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. Uh, John is able to get some time alone and he runs into Batman's group, uh, essentially. And he determines that they're the good guys because Barbara and Jarvis are there. And he's like, well, I know I can trust you too. And so like, that's how he's able to determine that they're probably the good guys. Mm -hmm. But he's also like not sure. So he goes and he meets with Jay his boyfriend in the real world in this world. Yeah. And it's a really sweet thing where Jay's like, I don't know you. And he's just mm-hmm. like, I know, but I'm from another alternate universe and all this. He's just like, so in your universe, am I your boyfriend or something? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, go f- alternate me. <laughs> like, I was like, you know. <laughs> and then he's like, I trust you to tell me the truth of what's going on. And Jay breaks it down. How Superman's, you know, a fascist and shit. Yeah. And then he's like, thanks. I, I knew I could trust you to tell me what's right. And he goes to leave and Jay goes, uh, kiss goodbye. And he goes, that would feel like cheating. He goes, that would feel like cheating. And Jay goes, I know that was the test. Other me chose well. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and then he leaves and then Damien shows up at Jay's house, grabs him and says, what did you tell him? No. Yes. And that's oh, how you it piece is. of shit. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's been a great run. God, I love John Kent so much. It's just... Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Speaking of so good, Dark Knights of Motherfucking Steel, number 11 of 12. Only one issue left. I had to could, peek through it because I knew it was a penultimate. God, it's it's just such a great book. Like, from beginning to end, it's been one of the best books. Uh, written by Tom Taylor, art by Yasmin Putri, colored by Reef Prianto, and letter by Wes Abbott. 
basically all the good guys are on the same page now. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, almost all of them. And they, you know, they're told by the John Jones, who was formerly Jarvis, uh, or not Jarvis. Did I say Jarvis before in Batman? Yes. I meant he... Alfred. I meant Alfred. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, did I do that twice? Yeah, Alfred. Sorry. My bad. Um, previously Alfred, but, you know, it, it's actually John Jones. He basically is like all these white Martians who are the real bad guys, their main weakness is fire. So they basically put torches up everywhere. They build a big bonfire. They dig a moat and pour a bunch of pitch in it so it's a fire moat around oh, the entire shit. kingdom. <laughs> which is gangster as shit, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then they actually make the decision to release all the prisoners in the dungeon to assist them. Ooh, cool. And they'll get, because it was great because he's like, you know, basically, sorry for my actions. You'll be a pardon and compensated. I'm releasing you from imprisonment. And then Harley goes, just the people who deserve to be released. Violent robbers and murderers will stay in prison. And then it cuts to fucking Zaz, their version of Zaz going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but they also release Green Arrow, which is really cool. A lot's going on here. Amanda Waller, their version of Amanda Waller, who's the general for the L's kingdom, mm-hmm. doesn't like this, doesn't think they shall be working together. The really? L- yeah. <laughs> the one in the regular universe that hires nothing but fucking villains doesn't think it's a good yeah. plan? No, she doesn't think they should work with the other kingdoms. Oh, okay. She doesn't trust them. So the elves actually go back to the ship they arrived in, and they're able to use their technology to build a Phantom Zone projector. Ooh, oh. So that's their goal is to send the Martians to the Phantom Zone. And then we find out that Waller has actually betrayed the good guys and have gone to the Martians and basically said, spare my kingdom and you can do whatever you want with the rest, basically. Oh, shit. So Waller's a bitch, as always. As always. So, just the most unlikable DC character I can imagine. <laughs> like, but but it's a great book. There's one issue left, and I'm very excited. So, uh, Next up, final book for DC this week is Poison Ivy. 13. Mm. So good. Written by G. Willow Wilson. Art by Marcia Takara, Gaia March, Kelly Jones, L.L. Kaplan, Colors by Riff Prianto and Jose Villarubia, and A.L. Kaplan and Hassan Asmani Alha with the lettering. Um, so in this one, Ivy is back in Gotham. She's staying with Harley. But there's still this whole lingering thing where. Oh, oh she runs into Catwoman, Selena. So you're, uh-huh. the, the Gotham City Sirens trio is completed in this book. And she's basically like, hey, the bats are coming for you. She's like, basically, last time you were here, you, you were kind of a villain. You know what I mean? They're going to they're gonna come for you. And she gets confronted by Batman. And Batman's like, I got my eyes on you. And he makes a real big deal out of it. And Ivy's like, I just, she's like, I love Harley, but I can't just stay in Gotham. I need somewhere else to stay. So she finds a place in Slaughter Swamp that she's mm-hmm. going to take because it's, you know, all nature somewhere in the mud where forgotten things grow. She goes there. She finds this little house. She's like, this is absolutely perfect. And then who walks in? But the person who's currently living there, Killer Croc. And I love this Croc design, uh-huh. by the way. Oh, that's sick. Like, yeah, the face and everything. It's yeah, really it's so great. cool. So he's like, uh, I fucking live here. And they punch each other. And they're like, sorry, you scared me. <laughs> like, <laughs> And she's like, hey, I'm going to live here. He's like, this is my house. She's like, what happened to the sewers? He's like, "Uh, the sewers are, I can't go back to the sewers. Long story short, LexCorp bought a bunch of land and they're going to build a bunch of high-priced condos. And she's like, if I ruin that, will you go back to the sewers and give me this house? He's like, sure. (laughs) So so that's kind of what's going on as she's going undercover 
at Elixcorp uh, building to destroy it so that he'll get she'll get the sewers back. She's doing this for a shack in a in a sewer. She's gonna ruin a corporate house, which I love. Great. So, yeah, um, I love Ivy. It's been really good. This is the new arc. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, we definitely got a third arc out of it, which is great. So good stuff. And finally, Marvel Comics. Um, we got several books to talk about this week, including a handful of X books at the end. So make sure to stick around for that. First of all, Groot number two. I like this cover because I really like this character. She's the same people as Yondu. Ooh, sick. Yeah. And um, does the, like the original Yondu actually shot a bow and arrow. Was the oh, idea. right. It wasn't just an arrow he threw around, you know, with his voice. Uh, but she shoots it and can control it with her whistle. So it's really cool. Written by Dan Abnett, art by Damien Cusiero, uh, colored by Matt Mia, and letter by Travis Lanham. Uh, this is continuing the story of little baby Groot and like trying to recover his, his uh, home. It's about the original Captain Marvel where he's a captain. This is actually the first time he becomes Captain Marvel because all the commanding officers where he's with are dead. So he has to be temporarily promoted to captain from private. So he's Captain Marvel for the first time ever, which is great. Aww. He can't understand Groot and his friends because he doesn't speak Groot, but this character does. And he slowly starts learning Groot instinctively, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's just really cool. It's a very fun story. Um, like I said, early Marvel. If that's if that's your jam, this is gonna be good for you. And also Baby Groot, which is always great. So, um, yeah, really good. Uh, next up, let's talk about a number one, Josue Loki number oh, one. Oh fuck yes! So, uh, I know Josue remembers the last time Loki had a solo book. Oh man. And we loved it. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. This one's written by Dan Waters, art by Herman Perotta, colored by Mike Spicer, and letter by Travis Lanham. So great creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I was very worried based on the cover and based on the first few pages that we're going back to just evil Loki. Oh, okay. And I was like, no, he's so much more interesting <laughs> right now. And then, no, those those fears were taken away as I got into it. As, actually, as soon as Loki showed up in the book, I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're yeah. still normal Loki. <laughs> um, I love so much about it. Uh, basically, it's Loki cleaning up one of his own messes, and I really like that. Uh, I loved the Frost Giants. He made them learn how to read <laughs> from the tiniest books in existence, and I thought that was fantastic. And I, I just love the idea in general of loki being king of the frost giants and constantly outsmarting them mm-hmm. like that's just hilarious to me like i like that his rule is very tenuous it literally is based on how long can he outsmart them it's, <laughs> it's the most loki thing i could think of i love it so what do you think it's a it's, it's an awesome star yeah and, and, i mean in dan waters i have trusted since coffin bound um so in this one like having like that that ominous opening with like the, the whole uh with the ship and it's like oh like that, that's cool we're, we're diving into like some like norse history here uh but then we actually get like the the full-on marvel book with like our with our loki and also fucking hey head him on like props to head him on like his store looked awesome like the the one page where it has like him like in three different panels like it's like awful a full page of him he looked really fucking good um the whole book looks looks incredible I mean, just because yeah. it's not a Thor book, but he, like there was just such a highlight to him. Um, it was almost like uh, the like like the JMS era. Even JMS like, era, it's it just like I, for a second I, I had to like go back because like, like, I, I knew reading it is like as Herman Peralta is on the cover, but going back to who we were talking about earlier, uh, 
he gave me like such like Doug uh, Braithwaite, which is, again like incredible artist, and especially for Thor, he, yeah. he just had like this like these details about him. Like Herman did in this in this uh, for his Thor, he, he was awesome. Regardless, back to Loki. I'm so happy that we're going to be diving into like a bunch of like Loki bullshit magic, like like the way he captures the ship based on perspective. Oh my god, that was like my favorite. That thing was such ever. a cool part, right? <laughs> I love when just like simple shit like that just works just because it can you know it's like it doesn't know it doesn't need to be over explained or anything like that it's just it's just there for uh, for, for your own belief it, it was really good and i'm so curious about this fucking ship too there's a moment in american gods that's one of my favorite moments where shadow has a lucky coin that he gives away and then he's meeting with these russian gods and they're like you lost your coin this cute girl's like you lost your coin and he's just like yeah, she's like, I'll get you another. And she reaches up and just pulls the moon out of the sky and turns it into a coin in her oh. hand and hands it to him. And it's so great. And that reminded me of that. I was like, yes, I love it. Like, I love that weird imagery kind of shit. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's a really great start. And I love that they, like, they, they made me feel better right away when they're like, used to be the god of evil. Yes. Now the god of stories. And I'm like, thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I, and also like the little touches because like, I mean, for now at the moment i was reading it i still am just behind um the callback to carnage and coming back to native Valir. like that that was very interesting because i was oh, like yeah. a lot of crazy shit happened in, in the carnage book for uh there just doing the whole thing so if carnage did leave with the fucking piece of tooth that's another thing that, that's another thing to, to, to up his arsenal uh but we'll see we'll see how that that one develops but yeah great start to this loki run yeah definitely that takes us to fantastic four number eight um <laughs> this is just this book goes from strength to strength it does it. written by ryan north art by I- ivan fiorelli colored by jesus Bertov and letter by joe caramagna the only thing i thought was weird is they did two memory stories in a row because oh, okay. the last issue was where pe- where they were forgetting letters oh sure but yeah but and we're it, supposed to forget it, that because it's all about doom yeah and then this one is like now they're forgetting people and i thought that was kind of interesting um I thought it was a very good Johnny issue. Johnny and Sue, obviously. But yeah. I thought Johnny was great in it. Um, Sue and Alicia are the only two that remember people. Basically, these people are disappearing and they're like, no one remembers them. Uh, they come back from the store and they tell Johnny and they're like, okay, let's find Reed and Ben. And he's like, who's Reed and Ben? And I just, it, okay, that could be enough. That could be them just being like, okay, that's it, right? And then they say, why do you think we're the Fantastic Four? <laughs> he's like and he's like yeah me sue you being alicia and flamo she's like johnny i'm blind and no one addresses flamo right away i was like oh oh boy i can't wait for this and he's like i'm blind he's like that's never stopped you from doing anything before i'm like touche sir that's great <laughs> i love that part so much because like oh that makes sense because like she's literally been the fantastic fifth this this for a long time now so that it made perfect sense <laughs> And then Sue's like, sorry, Flamo. And he goes, Flamo, you know Flamo, Flamo, Flamo. <laughs> He's like, you guys forgot Flamo? And he reveals he can make a fiery duplicate of himself. A fire dupe <laughs> with the mustache, with the fire mustache. Yes. And also also a huge package, if you didn't notice. <laughs> I love it. And I love this idea that literally their fourth member is just another Johnny. That sounds so obnoxious. <laughs> Long story short, they find out that there's a big monster uh that is mind controlling people to basically serve him and erasing their memory called zargor which is the most fucking fantastic four thing i can think of and i love it from before is yes (laughs) yes um 
and yeah, it's it's up to this Fantastic Four to stop him with Reed and Ben fighting against them. So. Yeah. I do like this. I love the small town Fantastic Four idea. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be in New York and stuff like that. I think we got the first real good taste of that in the um, in the thing and Alicia issue we got where oh, they're right. in that small town. I thought that was really cool. And so continuing with that feel throughout this entire book has been really great. And um, yeah, it's just been a great run of Fantastic Four. What do you think? Yeah, this, this cross-country tour with the Fantastic Four is just like... The weirdest, most different thing for a Fantastic Four book that has just been working. Um, gr- yeah, a, a very, very good issue. Uh, um, God, what, what was I going to say about it? Uh, God, there's this one point I wanted to make for it. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I did. I do like that. It's like, well, we've had all these different variations, all these mysteries to solve. Um, I do like that because, I mean, I also don't read enough uh, Fantastic Four either, but I do like that they actually address that it's like you know like invisible woman and human torch you do just rely on sure the tried and true but there's no connect there's no connection there when we're on the battlefield you all just like do your own thing while we're all together and just like come in with the saves but there needs to be like some uh you guys need to synchronize a little, a little bit more and i was like i was thinking about like mutant circuits but like yeah. yeah like why don't these like siblings actually have like a super dope like go-to sibling move um also I mean, like, the powers are, are so different but so it's like how can they can they do it but i do like their practices of like him reaching out from the fire to feel her invisible projection to then match the shape i thought that was a really cool idea um so i can only imagine what, what they can do after that yeah i think it's because whenever there's a fight with the fantastic four the three of them fight the thing while reed richards comes up with the solution then he tells them what to do this yeah is them having to be creative themselves and i would think that's a really cool angle and also, like, I mean, like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure they, she could, she could control it in her own way. But it's like, again, like, there's yeah. such opposite powers that at the same time they could cancel each other out. Like, what you put an invisible bubble around the fire, but that's just going to go out because there's no more oxygen. So it's like maybe like, that's why they never wanted to work that closely yeah, together. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. All right, next up is Invincible Iron Man number seven. Mm-hmm. I'll be quick with this one because it ties into some books later. Written by Gary Dugan, art by Juan Frigeri, colored by Brian Villens, and letter by Joe Carbogna. Um, Long story short, Tony's found out that they're using his company to make Sentinels now. So he blows the factory up. <laughs> oh, no shit. Uh, he makes sure all the people get out, blows the factory up. Rhodey gets arrested because he was helping Tony, and he gets caught, which Tony did not intend to happen. Mm-hmm. The bad guys, including... Um, all of Orcus, including Nimrod, mm-hmm. kill one of the workers. Oh shit! Place him in the destruction to make it look like Tony killed the guy. Oh motherfucker! But because they caught Rhodey, Rhodey is now on on you know trial for murder. Essentially, <laughs> that's where it leaves off. So it's just further just kicking Tony while he's down. That's this whole series just kicking Tony repeatedly. <laughs> so uh, really interesting. I'm not going to get too much into it because it's going to tie into books we talk about later. Mm-hmm. So, but really good. I do like how closely these books are being out. Spoiler, it's the X books. Yeah. How close they are right now. So that's really cool. But next up, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 13. Uh, I'm so glad I picked it up because it wasn't on my list. I didn't realize it was coming out this way. Oh, no shit. So I, was like, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, good one. <laughs> Written by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, art by Alina Arofiva, colored by Nolan Woodard, and letter by Joe Carmagna. Uh, coming out of the um, the last issue where Sam and Cap, or Sam and Steve, fight sam wins and now cap is unconscious basically long story short 
they almost immediately get back on the same page because uh, Sam saves Steve from a from a um, an avalanche, and S- Steve's like, "Listen, I'm sorry. I realize I went over the edge, and you know, I, this is my son, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. They they work it out. Uh, White Wolf and Bucky are having a little bit of a conflict. Um, Bucky actually calls Power and the Money on a video chat. And they're like, oh, you want a bargain? He's like, no, I just want you to watch. <laughs> Basically, I was like, yeah, this is my boy. Um, there's some tension between Natasha and Peggy. There's a lot of stuff building up to the next issue. And nothing super resolved as of yet. Uh, but in the end, the white wolf transforms into a white wolf. Oh, no shit. So, yeah, he's like, looks like we're going to need more wolves. And that's where it ends. One issue left mm-hmm. of the Cold War run. Nice. So there will be cat caught up by then. Yep. Cold War Omega. So we'll see. And someone's dying, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. So speaking of someone dying, Daredevil number 12. Oh, no. Did you read? Yes, of course. Okay, good. Just making sure. <sighs> Written by Trip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicciato, color by Matt Wilson, letter by Clayton Kals. Um, I love that Matt is cleaning up his own mess. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, I got to do something else. He spent the whole last issue getting his people out of prison. Um, he goes and meets with Blind, Blind Spot. Basically, is like, you're guarding the gate to hell with the sword that can kill the beast. You can go. I'll do it. Sends him away. And then Daredevil's sitting there. He's about to fucking seppuku himself. Yeah. And Electra shows up, his wife. And they have a conversation and just some, some of the most beautiful art that's been in the series so far. The oh shot God. of them kissing yeah. is just insane. Even though the other one, yeah, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. And just they have a they have a very brief fight. They have a flashback across their entire lives, which I loved. Um yeah, the these two shots both as well uh-huh. were just incredible. And in the end, he's like, Hey, listen, I gotta do this. And he does a traditionally most daredevil thing I could possibly think of. It's so badass. I hate you for how badass you are. Because he's got, he's basically trying to kill himself so he'll go to hell and fight the beast and end it for good. And she won't let him, so he uses his cord to grab her arm and make her stab him to death. Matt, that's fucked up, man. <laughs> now she's going to blame herself. Like, she also pulled his mask off and reminded me that he no longer has eyeballs, which is very... Oh, his offer? So awesome. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> and then we cut to him in hell, and we get this great <laughs> shot of Battle and Jack, his dad, and this whole thing, and, you know, you know, he's like, I, I've been to hell, I've been to Mephisto's hell, this is different, this is the beast realm where the hell, hand begins and ends, and if it's to end... Let it be as the hand of God. And that's fucking amazing. He's so fucking cool. God damn. <laughs> it's so good, dude. Now I'm I need really... to restructure my whole list on how I'm like, how, how my favorite devils in whites are. Cause he's so goddamn awesome. He really is, dude. Like, <laughs> it's so interesting, especially because when Punisher ended, I thought Punisher was going to go to hell too. Mm hmm. And I was like, are they both going to be in hell and they're going to fight again? I'd <laughs> be ridiculous. Or Punisher helps him take out the beast. Take out the beast that way, yeah. So, what a great book. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, it was just so good. Like, uh, every, I mean, coming down to Blind Spot, like, we haven't seen him in a while. 
Um, I have been reading Daredevil for like the, yeah, a little over the past decade. So going into the Charles Soule run, that was like a, that was the run that had like the hard focus of blind spot. You, you, you would get issues upon issues of like blind spot actually being, um, Daredevil sidekick, or as, as, at least he was, as he was mentoring him around. And that was like a huge plot point for, for blind spot too, with the, uh, with his sister, especially his mom, um, who isn't mentioned here because what happened there. But yeah, then going into Electra, the kiss, the the shot of like their silhouettes right before right before the fight, like oh, like the whole fight scene is just as he's just like talking about her and then like going back through 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 the eras, like the, the flashback the flashback images, dude. I'm like losing it like over this whole issue just because like one of the flashbacks is um, the black armored Daredevil suit that I fucking love from, from oh, yeah. Fall from Grace, which again like. So much history of Daredevil, I just I just love, and it's like it's there in my face. I just I, I just I loved it. And and again, going back to Charles Soule run, the next uh, flashback image is his other black suit from that run. It's just it's I fucking love it. And then yeah, to that really badass move that it was it wasn't gonna happen any other way unless he did it himself. And then yeah, and then being the Catholic is like how <laughs> how are you gonna go down to where you want to go unless it's like you do it yourself. So. Yeah, I was choking at that last page at his final words. It was like it was, it was such a great page. It was like because again, it's like for him, it's just about going going back going back to Foggy. At least if he's gonna do one thing right, is bring back the one person that didn't deserve this is Foggy. And it's like I'm gonna go see my best friend. I'm going to, <laughs> and then this page turned and her go fight the devil, Matthew. Dude, that fucking broke me. And then Black, I was like, oh, such that classic Marvel page turn. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, go fight the devil, Matthew, which is just one of my favorite fucking lines. And then we get this extra bit of just awesomeness. A de- the daredevil in white. So good. <laughs> it gave me, especially the way his fist was wrapped, I got some strong Iron Fist vibes. Oh, gosh, yeah. And he is the fist. Uh-huh. So I love that. If that gets tied in somehow, just throwing that out. <laughs> but I love it, and I'm gonna desperately miss Marco Cicchetto on on Daredevil after this run is over. Yeah, right. Very much so. Especially every time Electra's drawn. So you know, while I'm on the app, it's just so funny that you say that because the last issue did have the plus story of an Iron Fist story. Yeah, interesting. Well, it was AAPI month as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that's why. So. All right, next up is Venom. (laughs) For something a little lighter, let's talk about Venom. (laughs) Venom 20, written by Al Ewing, art by Seifu, color by Frank Darmada, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, I mean, it is technically (laughs) lighter. I mean, Eddie gets another chance at life, and we start to see something very terrifying. We get a absolutely horrifying statement of human symbiote. Yes. And I'm like, Christ, what's that going to mean? <laughs> like, um, we get, I love the Terminator reference. I thought that whole scene oh, was so good. fantastic. <laughs> um, I also love the white spray paint bit. I thought that was dope as fuck. Yeah, like, it's it been just, a fucking great tagger to get those fucking lines straight like that, but it's really good, dope jacket. <laughs> I just love that he, like, he takes time to do that. Like, Eddie does that. He's like, yeah, I gotta go beat up a guy. Oh, wait, you got white spray paint? All right, I need a moment. Like, <laughs> And so he goes and, you know, confronts the bad guy. And, oh, oh, it's a little someone very familiar. So um, I'm really liking this. I I honestly thought he would tie into the Carnage crossover, but I guess not. It makes sense that he wouldn't. So, Mm. Uh, But I really dug it. What do you think? 
I like that. I mean, like the kid wearing it was was pretty good, but then Eddie taking the or donning the the himbo Frankenstein shirt was actually really badass. Um, but you know, it, it was awesome. I, I like I like how he came back. The whole sim- human symbiote, but it's just like I'm wondering, isn't that a little bit? God, I have to like really research it. But it's like I was thinking, it's like that's exactly what Dylan is, isn't he? Because yeah, like the way he's different, like the way he has a control over over the symbiotes. That's also like not like Eddie, even even as as uh, the god of symbiotes. I think he's a human body entirely made out of symbiote. Out of out of everything, okay. But so, but he's human still. So mm-hmm. it's going to be different. He's going to be incredibly resistant. Like he's not a human body with a layer of symbiote over him anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Fully symbiote now. You know his skin. Yeah, his skin being. The symbiote being fleshy skin was was a weird touch, <laughs> uh, but you know I'm I'm curious how this will actually. Then at that point I'm curious how this will actually. I guess like, yeah, the, the right word to use uh, how he bonds with uh, with uh, Dylan again. Yeah, and we know there's wibbly wobbly timey wimey shit coming up because we know eventually he's his own enemy. Oh yes, you know what I mean. So it's like it's a little bit of a headache inducing, but it's very good. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Time to swing over some Spidey, more Spidey books. I didn't realize we had started with Venom. I should have said that before. <laughs> um, Red Goblin 5, which is Carnage Rage, part four of seven. Written by Alex Pacnadel, art by John Bazadua, uh, colored by Dave Curio, and letter by Joe Carb Magna. Uh, did you catch up on this yet? No. Okay, that's fine. Long story short, last issue, Carnage, in an attempt to fix his half Stark, half symbiote suit, went to Stark Tower. Long story short, hacked into the Stark network and is able to send his insanity message through Stark technology. So everybody who has a Stark phone in New York goes insane. What the fuck? Okay. And starts killing people. And it gets intense. He's literally killing people. Uh, At one point, um, you see Normie's little brother answer the phone. Carnage whispers something in his ear. He grabs a knife and goes to stab his mother, Liz, to death while she's in the bath. Oh, shit. But Normie stops him before the mom even notices. Okay. Puts him in a broom closet and then goes out. That's how Red, <laughs> that's how Red Goblin gets involved. Um, we get to see the, uh, the Cape Killers some more, which is always great. I really enjoy that. Um, this is how twisted it got because this, the, the, like, this is Carnage as hell. This dude stabs someone. And then they both laugh, and he, the dude who got stabbed takes the knife out of his stomach. Oh, shit, just take turns. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of twisted shit going on in this book. Um, it's really interesting. And look who shows up to save the day. The new Stark Sentinels. Mm. Who have a really high public opinion rating now. Mm-hmm. Miles runs into Red Goblin and realizes they look a lot alike now. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they they end up working together um, and kind of uh, realize that, hey, he's got this signal. He's controlling people. And so it's going to be like a three-way fight between the good guys, Carnage and his people, and these Sentinels who want to stop Carnage, but also do not like Miles and them. So Wait, how did the Sentinels up- not get the signal? Uh, no, these these are it's literally like a brain warping symbol. Oh, okay, single, single. So it's not like it doesn't take over the technology. It's literally like a, an insanity causing. Oh, symbol. gotcha. Okay, so, yeah. 
So there's three issues left of the crossover. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I've liked it so far. I'm not a big Carnage fan. I've never really been in for like the shock value of violence. Mm-hmm. So Carnage has never been my thing. But it's been a good crossover. I really like Miles. I love the Cape Killers too because I mean, you got Scorpion and you got Taskmaster on the same team. Nice. I'm here for that. Yeah. The female Electro is great. Like, it's, uh, yeah, just really good team. So next up. Spider-Man number nine. I missed out on the Spider-Man number eight. I never was able to find it. Um, and it was the start of a new arc, which sucks. Oh. <laughs> so written by Dan Slott, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by John Dell, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Joe Carmagna. This deals the Spider-Boy, the new Spider-Boy. Oh, nice. And the story of this is Peter, in an attempt to be a better hero, he wanted to increase his spider sense to be able to tell when people were in danger. A long thing, a long story short, it it got boosted, and Electro happened to hit him just right to boost it beyond any control. So now Peter's aware when anyone in New York is in danger at all. Oh my god, all the time! Yeah, it's basically torture. Um, there's a great, there's a really funny scene because there's always got to be funny scenes in the Spider-Man book where these two dudes are beating each other up, mm-hmm. and he stops them, and he's like, you know. They're like, put us down. He goes, no, not until one of you tells me what this is all about. And the other one goes, I was down to my last hit point, and my freaking cleric here went for the treasure. He goes, instead of casting cure serious wounds, yeah, you owe him an apology. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, nerds, nerd references. Um, Gold Goblin shows up and uses a pumpkin bomb on him, uh, and it, it has a gas that used to shut down Spider-Man's uh, spider sense. So oh. it helps shut it down so he can, like, he's like, I'm going to try to cure you, and Bailey witnesses this and Bailey's like, what the fuck? I thought Norman was a good guy and he doesn't realize what's happening. Um, long story short, uh, Norman shows up to a family uh, dinner with May and J. Jonah Jameson and all of them and none of them trust him except for May. May's the only one willing to give him a shot. Um, Gold Goblin meets with Bailey. Bailey's like, yo, I'm Spider-Boy. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And he's like, yeah, no one does. <laughs> he's like, it sucks. <laughs> um Peter's it like his spider sense has come back and then they do this really cool idea where he's fighting these bad guys right and the problem with the spider sense being out of control is I'll just put it the way he said it every time I'm about to hit one of these goons I'm putting them in danger so his spider sense goes off so every time he hits somebody his spider sense goes off I mean yeah he's he's (laughs) very fucking strong he could kill someone if he wanted to yeah so basically a migraine headache every time he throws a punch so like it's crazy and then electro drops him with one shot and is like yo i'm gonna kill you and that's how it ends mm. so bailey i think they're gonna this is the arc to explore bailey um there's an indication that bailey's spider sense might be really powerful that this is peter basically copying bailey's spider sense in some way mm. without realizing it because bailey's like oh he he says something along the lines of like he wants to make a spider sense like my ability or something like that. So, oh, very curious. So, because we don't know anything about Bailey yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm ready for Krakoa. If you are, let's go. It's time to go to college, Bishop War College, yes. number five. Uh, written by Jay Holtham, pencil by Sean Damien Hill, inked by Victor Nava, colored by Espen Grutinger, and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, I want to say I've I've enjoyed this series, but it wasn't something I was sold on. I was like, I don't know what this is yet. You know, like okay. it was just kind of like, okay, it's like a spotlight for some of the young ones, and we get to explore this other world for Bishop. That's fine, but I didn't see the purpose of it until this issue, mm-hmm. and now I get it. Um, Bishop shows back up, 
they're able to leave the other world after the big destruction. So I think that's coming back to haunt us at some point. Yeah. He shows up and the kids are able to take down Fenris and they just, it's funny because Fenris is trying to break into the pit to free all the bad guys in the pit, but the only person in the pit is sinister and uh, <laughs> they don't know that. So they toss Fenris in the pit. They're like, Oh, you want the pit? Here you go. Oop, close it up. <laughs> like, oh, that was great. Cause Fenris fucking sucks. Fucking Nazis. Um, so my favorite part is they're down there and Sinister's like <laughs> the quote, great. Trapped in a mind prison with the likes of you Nazis. This will not do. <laughs> the fact the fact that Sinister, with everything he's done, is like, but at least I'm not a fucking Nazi. At least not fucking Nazis. Like I'll take another thousand years of just trying to figure it out. But not fucking Nazis. <laughs> yeah. We um we get a check-in with Orcus where they treat it as a victory and they talk about the very real reasons it's a victory for them. Mm. Um and then Bishop gives his grades out for the for the class. Um, very much basically saying that they all passed, that they did a really good job, and you know, uh he's very proud of them, etc. And then um he says, For this next girl around, let's try something a little different. And we got some new recruits. Yes. And I want to give, of course, a big shout out to Gimmick. Mm-hmm. Gimmick is back finally. Yes. I'm very excited about that. Let's do something with that. Um, the grades, I want. I loved the grade page. Yeah. The info page. Um, I would like to point out a couple of the ones, the, the big ones. Armor, basically be, saying she was not voted to be an X-Men twice, and that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, I love that fucking meta call out. I, yeah. That was one of my favorite pieces of this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Surge, one of the strongest candidates for the X-Men we have, because you and me mm-hmm. re- recently read New X-Men, and I love Surge. I've always loved Surge, and I do love the point that, you know, basically she's matured. Yes. And I think that's really cool, and I think that was the thing that held her back in the last vote. People were like, oh, she's immature. Here's something she did 15 years ago. Yeah. When she, and I'm like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Even like her, like her, for her opening uh, review is, Serge is probably my most improved student. Dude, we can do everything with her to make her badass, to make it even better. Um, yeah, so I, I also like that she, like, she was one of the strongest candidates for an X-Men uh, that we have. It's like, yeah, for a future X-Men team, absolutely. I'm already anticipating her. Um. I won't get too much into Cam Long or a Charles or a Mass. They're all great. I love a Mass, though. Great mm-hmm. character. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we got to talk about our boy, Wrong Slide. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Wrong Slide's still trying to fit his place in identity in this life. I wasn't sure about including him in this round of Excite, but he did very, very well. I was very impressed. We should involve him more. I'm yes. Like, goddamn right you should. So, great, great issue. Uh, anything you want to add before I move on to the next one? Because these all kind of bleed together. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I just want to uh, highlight to uh, Earth-63's magic girl is thick as fuck. I love her. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love each issue we got another Earth-63 person. Yeah. Like, they all look insane, and I love it. It's so good. Like, great designs. <laughs> but, yeah, I really worried, like, because Bishop basically went there, blew up, killed a bunch of people, and left. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm he like... Did. I'm like, we're gonna hear about this later. This is gonna happen. They're yeah, because like here, Earth sixty three Bishop. He because I mean that's the whole call to to magic is like oh, yeah. he fucking started training. So and Bishop is a really pissed off person. So <laughs> this new fresh pissed off Bishop is just gonna have all the rage. We've seen the links Bishop will go to. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Just, 
All right, let's talk about the one X book host we did not read this week, Immortal X. I, 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 did, I was reading this whole time. Uh, I didn't okay, get good. It was holy shit. <laughs> I was wondering what you were doing. I knew you were doing something. Okay, good. Written by Karen Gillan, art by Lucas Wernick, colored by David Curo, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Did you finish? Yes, 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 yes. Fuck in oh hell. Oh, my God. It's happening. It's finally happening. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Col- Colossus's undercover operation is being revealed. They hold a closed vote of the council. Shaw let it. All the conflicted people, like Xavier and Emma, have to leave. So only the people there can vote. And Colossus has three votes because he has Storm's vote and Storm has Nightcrawler's vote. And Storm's not there. They decide to go ahead and fill Sinister's seat. Shaw nominates Celine. <sighs> Which we weren't against before. <laughs> I mean, I was against <laughs> like a bit but because she's insane (laughs) like uh, to take the villain role i mean it makes sense Mm -hmm. i guess but but they're like that's a terrible idea but the villains um you know they're able to get it through with colossus's help um destiny claims that shaw's working for orcus rasputin shows up because she's the best reads his mind says nope no he's not and it's like, okay, and we, we kind of find out later that Destiny is like, her prediction powers are on the skits, and she also was bluffing, essentially. Um, Colossus is like, yeah, I'm voting for this, and like, what the hell, Kitty, and like, Kitty's like, totally against it, and the, all the telepaths are outside, and Hope cheats, figures out what's happening. And then we get this whole, this is all like, because we're approaching the fall of X, it's how everything is coming together. Mm-hmm. So you have Orcus, but you also have Mother Righteous working against everything. <laughs> but you also have Mikhail Rasputin. And they're all now working together and undermining the entirety of Krakoa. And it's very terrifying. Yeah. Um, they're able to try to pass a bunch of rules when, um, when exodus does the smartest thing which is basically grab storm be like there's a meeting get the fuck in there um (laughs) and the thing is is now he has nightcrawler's vote or even though she's there i gather that he passed a rule so he gets nightcrawler's vote Mm -hmm. instead of storm so she only swings one vote um and then the vote is but the vote is hung up they can't pass anything so he decides that they should take a break like reconsider and then we have this amazing scene with Destiny and Mystique. Oh, God. Where Destiny sees the future where Mystique kills her. And then Mystique, under control by Mother Righteous, kills Destiny. Destiny dies. Destiny's brought back to life. But because Hope was compromised, so is Destiny. So she can't vote anymore. <sighs> and suddenly Colossus has the votes he needs to do whatever he wants. And he says that he wants to let the sinister... <laughs> timeline information out to the world why it didn't it didn't happen so like why can't why should even tell it i'm really worried (laughs) it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be really interesting yeah so that leads us directly into x-men 23 (sighs) Uh, hold on i just have to like get some things out of this issue oh please yeah um Colossus. I mean, I know he's being manipulated, but Mikhail, holy fuck. I mean, Mikhail has to, like, pry in order to know how to inflict a real blow. This whole thing, I was like, call me by Kate. I go by Kate now. Kitty would have understood. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> oh, man. And then down, down to the... 
what was the other one? Uh, oh God. I mean, like, because like the whole, uh, the, he's like monologuing to himself and just like, hopefully they can like see like, that's like something suspicious going on. The last info page. He's trapped in a Russian novel. It is not oh, yeah. a place for hope. It's like, oh, it's so good. It's a really great line. I was like, God, he's right. So <laughs> I loved it. I did mention I did mean to mention the fact that the whole monologue was him oh, yeah. trying to fight it. So that that was really, really great. So all right, X-Men 23. Um, written by Gary Dugan, art by Joshua Kassara, colored by D. Cuniff, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um this is furthering the whole Sentinel thing. So the Sentinels appear in three different major stories this week. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be a big, big problem. Um, the Sentinels, basically, long story short in this one, um, the X-Men are on a mission. Uh, this The Sentinels... Um, oh, no, sorry. The Sentinels show up to ostensibly do like work to make people like them, essentially, is what's going on. It's a fire. They're trying to save firefighters. People are going <laughs> to like them more if they do so. But they suddenly detect a mutant amongst the firefighters, attack him, and the X-Men show up and, okay, let's take out this, this Sentinel who's attacking a fucking firefighter. Um, they're able to, like, with great struggle, take him out, including almost losing Everett. He almost dies. Oh, my God. He gets fucking cratered into the ground. Yeah. It's only having Talon's healing that saves him, basically. So. After, like, she's like then siphoning it into him. Yeah. Wasn't even like him, like trying to uh, get her power. Yeah, exactly. Um, of course, Ileana's the one that takes it out by just absolutely obliterating it. Which is, again, don't piss off Ileana. And then Jean crushes the head. Uh, so it's basically like this one sentinel almost took out the entire like main X Men unit. Um. And then, yeah, we just see more of Orcus circling. Uh, basically, we get a little brief shot of Wilson Fisk with Emma. Oh, yeah. And and I'm wondering if Wilson's actually going to play a very pivotal role in defending Krakoa. How cool would that be? It would be cool up until we find out what his real means are. It's going to be something really bad. <laughs> but all of Krakoa has been about turning bad guys good and seeing the good in the bad guys. Sure. <laughs> How great would it be if Wilson Fisk of all fucking people gets redeemed by Krakoa. If he if he finds redemption in from from Krakoa, okay, that'd be interesting. In my in my dreams, they find out Shaw's been planning with bad guy, kick him off the council, and put Wilson Fisk on there. Put the one as a, human as a political move. They would have a mutant a human on there. That's human also on. Yeah, that'd be great, dude. And he's basically Shaw without powers. That's like true. <laughs> so I'm here for that. Um, and then the book ends really weirdly and abruptly, but in the best way ever, where Scott's like, hey, Emma, uh, what you doing? She's like, you and Gene haven't been having sex lately, have you? And he's like, no. She's like, nice try. And walks off. <laughs> I was like, That's my girl. She's like, oh, I'm your second choice. Yeah, bye. <laughs> like, good luck with that. So uh, she's nicer than that, obviously. But um, I still ship these two. I don't like Gene and Scott together. Still standing <laughs> behind that. But I have been liking the idea of the polycule that the entire summer's like house was. Yeah. Was so um, really good stuff. Lo- a lot going on here. I didn't mention the sinister meaning Mother Righteous at the beginning Ooh. with the uh, with the really dark like um, dinner copying. Yeah. Like he, it was well, not sinister. Sorry. It's the other one. I, I always forget his name. Stasis. Dr. Stasis. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Where he basically clones his family to have dinner with him. 
and is like and then wipes them know, <laughs> and wipes them yeah and then mother righteous is just like yeah don't do that shit ever again basically fucking owns him so well that was the thing too i mean i'm i'm not sure if i missed it before but like the that reveal of that is like mother righteous is actually it's not just like a female uh nathaniel but it's actually a version of his wife but with sinister's mind I sure yeah yeah, yeah yeah so yeah yeah because yeah. he would he i mean sinister's always been very experimental like that mm-hmm. why wouldn't he make a female like be like fuck it let's go so really good stuff anything you want to add before i move on to the last book I mean, I mean that, that that initial conversation, like his mother righteous being like, "Yo, there's four players, but it's like we're all just symbols. We're all just like symbols of like maybe of an original." So it's like I was wondering when the, how that's going to come into play um, for the Sentinel fight. I, I have to highlight it because it is it is my all time favorite Cyclops costume, uh, the '90s costume with the the sash. I fuck, I just I fucking love this costume. I did not anticipate it, but I'm so happy it came out of the it came out of the closet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely a flashback. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that in forever. So yeah, that was really, really cool. So oh, I mean, and also, and also the ending, like why the whole the beach scene, and it's like what Emma really wanted to say to, to Cyclops is like tying it into the rest of the yeah. MU. <laughs> yeah, telling him about the about the news about Kamala. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That like right at the last second, I thought that was interesting, and it's making me think more and more that the theory of her possibly being resurrected as a mutant might be the case. Yeah, we'll see. Which would be interesting. I mean, hmm. Hmm. But anyways, okay. Speaking of the fall of X, before the fall, X-Men, Mutant First Strike. Yes. Um, I did get a variant because I fucking loved it. This one with Karma very prominently on the front. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. A big, big uh, Jean fan, so... Um, so I just want to say before I get the creative team, I loved this book that this was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Valentina Pinti, colored by Frank William and letter by Cl- uh, Travis Lanham. Uh, honestly, this made me think, you know, if they need to make another head of X, if Jonathan Hickman needs to step aside, Steve Orlando might be the guy for the job. Ooh, okay. Just based on this book, because the way he handles the characters, mm-hmm. I thought was perfect. So, um, long story short, a big blast of energy takes out a small town damages it greatly bishop is like and everybody blames mutants bishop is like no we need to help these people we need to prove that this isn't us uh you know bishop you know help them you know for it to be gods we must be benevolent ones and they show up and i loved it because there's this whole thing showing all the destruction and damage and there's like bishop talking in people's minds you know we need to help blah blah blah. and i love the line when they see the red and white x and as soon as i read that i was like i love it i love rescue x-men the idea of like a costume specifically for like damage control x-men yeah i love that idea turn the page and they're just great costumes <laughs> great right matches, off the yeah. right off the bat we got uh iceman storm cyclops bishop Jean gray penance tempo angel and triage and i was like awesome that's a cool team and then i came to realize no there's a billion people here everybody's here and that's why I liked it. And that's why I said Steve Orlando could possibly be the head of X for all I care. Because he literally highlighted all these little obscure characters. Yeah, like the the, the characters to, to, to come after this, uh, like the initial the initial team, like th- they're great. But I'm now just realizing, well, because he's such a piece of shit, that it's literally four out of the original five X-Men are in, the, are in this team. <laughs> that's true. That's great. <laughs> uh, Tempo and Cerebro doing CSI, which is really fun. Uh, basically 
recovering the the bomber's body and like trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're just gonna do a fucking uh, a roll call as we go through because yeah. I just love all these characters. So, and there's some big surprising ones. Um, we got Thunderbird, the original Thunderbird John, mm-hmm. uh, which plays an important part of the story because he beat the bit of those cops and giant size X Men, but they deserved it. Um, obviously, Iceman. Uh, I, I'm so intrigued by Triage. Yeah. I want to see what's going on there. And then one of our one of our weird favorites from New X-Men. I mean, when is he coming back? Resurrect him. Tag is back, baby. Oh. Uh, so Tag is back and he's like, yeah, I never thought about making a car it. And it helps people get away from it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. It's the dumbest power, but I absolutely love it. Um, uh, yeah, Thunderbird crushes his skull because he's edgy and I love him. Um, let's see, I'm just skipping through here. I love Penance just being like the angry badass as always. Um, Gene just being way overpowered, levitating everybody on the planet basically is just dumb. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Here's some more ones. Um, right, Karma's in there too. He, um, Karma was, was with, was with Tag. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I love, there's a lot of, um, mutant circuit stuff here. Yes. So like triage using the oxygen-rich environment to help heal that storm made. I thought that was a really cool idea. Because um, a lot of times we see mutant circuits and always some weird overpowered blast or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is more subtle. Um, Somnus, helping people sleep until triage can get to them. Thumbelina, which I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot about Thumbelina, <laughs> doing microsurgery inside the body. Thought that was great. And then Wicked, because I'm a big fan of the Genosian Excalibur run, okay. and Wicked can talk to ghosts. And imagine what that's like on Genosha, oh. wherever where there's millions of dead mutants. Um, basically, is helping people who, yeah, their family's dead, but we're going to help them like get over. It. We're going to help them, you know, go through it. Find that comfort. Icar- Icarus is back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I loved Icarus. Uh, Escapade gets a shout out. Crave eats a bunch of biohazards, which is just <laughs> so on brand. And then the Booby A twins show up. And they're just the light in the dark. And I thought that was just wonderful. Um, just so many great characters uh, and like weird ones like Sanjar shows up and they're like trying to like because it was a dirty bomb. They're trying to like help remove the, the sickness and brother nature and then alchemist and like everybody's showing up and doing all this cool shit. And it really shows what they can do when they put their heads or heads to it. Um I love that Madrox is basically just serving people food because that's a very Madrox thing for them to do. And then we get, here's the funny thing. So it's Mr. Ice Cream, which is his ability to make ice cream. (laughs) Um, But for a brief second, I thought that was Soft Serve, which is the character that poops ice cream. (laughs) That was made as a joke, but is is canon in the X-Men comics. I thought this dude was going to be shitting out ice cream for these kids, and then I realized it was a different dude who could just make ice cream. Yeah, it's off his fingertip, but yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but I really like this. It was it showed how the X Men can help. It showed how they, um, you know, they can use their powers for good. It's very smart of them to do it this way. I thought it was really cool. And oh, yeah, Alchemist every- purifying the water too. Oh yeah, great. But after everything, just the media doesn't want to spin it that way, mm-hmm. and that's such a statement. I got really depressed reading. I was like. Feels very familiar, <laughs> like you know, like yeah. like they're just like, oh, they they say they didn't do it, but they're the ones who said it. Why would we trust them and stuff like that? And the whole mayor of the town is like, we know they didn't do it. They helped us. No one else is helping us. And they're like, yeah, but how, why do we have to believe you? You know, like it's yeah, oh. so stupid. But yeah, that's kind of leading to the before the fall, and 
it was such a great uplifting book that ended in this really dark really depressing way that i thought was really well done so what do you think i mean i honestly i, I really enjoyed it like all the call outs all the yeah, like, like i said all the all the cameos if you will because like there, there's an info page on like who the main cast is but then everybody just shows up anybody who's able to help shows up and I actually really like that is like everybody just has like their role to play it doesn't have to be a superpower just like to take down the next big bad with your and then spin your power into something super offensively you can use it for good all of these can be used for good um yeah it, it just sucks that it has to like end the way it does um but yeah it was, it, but it was very cool just like to see like the the whole team like just like everybody just here just like doing an x-men thing you know like just like the people yeah. who we haven't seen and down to like at all to just like from multiple books and just like it, it, it was really cool it's just but also sad that it's just like again like these two books out of this week where it's like to 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 put a little prick against against Krakoa and it's like though they saved the day it was really most mostly to to better suit the the enemy yeah a lot uh, with between the sentinels being in so many books and everything i think there's a lot really building the fall of x that's really got me worried mm-hmm. as a fan of the x Men, right right yeah. um but it's, it's been really really good i'm really enjoying it it's it's just very you know sad <laughs> so yeah. um yeah awesome uh I'll, i i also want to mention so I, I was sitting there i'm like oh you know who'd be great here to help it's elixir he can heal people and then i realized oh yeah they never send the five out on missions Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, oh, I always like that little touch, you know? Like, that's the kind of continuity that I appreciate from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Is that like, oh, well, naturally, Elixir would be there, but there's probably one person being like, he's can't. He's one of the five. He can't go, basically. So I really like that. So Imagine how much Proteus could do. <laughs> but yeah. All right, those are the books. Josue, what else have you been reading? <sighs> have you had a chance to? I, you know what? I was able to finish the book I was struggling, struggling to read from like last episode we're on here. Uh, and the book is by Hans Ricke and his wife, Christy Dorn. I read Delia. And it's really cute, right? It's like it's really indie. It's like it's black and white, really sketch, like a lot of detail into it because it's like there's no color into it. So like might as well add to as much as, like, as, much as you can to every panel, which is really, really good. A very, a very artsy book. Um, so it almost deals like well, in like in the 1950s era anthropomorphic world all like they're all squirrels it's a, it's a squirrel world so that's that's the that's the norm uh Delia uh Delia uh she's like she works under a professor she's really smart um she's able to find like she's able to like invent this machine that almost like then grasps uh a frequency if you will and then starts transmitting uh transmitting like these uh actual signals actual like um st- stuff that she starts like to decoding and she's like oh she's like they're they're telling us to like it's, it's telling us to build the the, the something and so she builds a, up to uh, up to like a contraption shows it off it doesn't go well um it's it's it's, it's a book that really surprised me because it starts very like just light-hearted but then it slowly starts cranking it up. Not just like the shock value, but it's just like, I mean, like out of like realism, this is exactly kind of what would happen minus the sci-fi stuff, obviously. Um, at one point they do get like a conversation going to that other side. They think like they're aliens. And then you hear from the other side is like, wait, what the fuck are we seeing? Wait, are those squirrels? Like, like they're not understanding. Like they, they understand what they're seeing, but it's like, wait, what, how the fuck do squirrels like invent this shit or they're able to communicate with us? Um, Eventually, 
the machine that she created almost takes a life of her own. Now that there's like the, the transmissions have been like more clear. It's almost like they can remote access this thing, but this thing almost like invented like its own AI and it creates this, like it, it, it creates its own uh, because it was, it adapted from this world. It created its own uh, Kaiju squirrel, like a mecha Kaiju squirrel, squirrel Kaiju. It's fucking awesome. Um, and then here's like where it's like, oh, it's kind of lighthearted, but here's where it turns. Once it's it's activated, um, because it just get, it gathers all these scraps from like uh, from a junkyard. The the squirrel that's running the junkyard is like, oh, like who's out there? I can hear you. And the the mecha comes out, or before you see it, you see there's this looming shadow and like a really scared squirrel. And he picks him up, and he decapitates him with like part of like the spinal cord with him that was that was shocking as fuck i did not anticipate that but it's like i mean with the force of a fucking robot that's exactly how it would play out deaths occur after this because it is a giant fucking robot uh roaming around and it's like has this like huge arsenal you find out that the aliens are actually humans are like the are, was our world which is why we were so, we were so surprised to see squirrels doing something like uh impossible um but yeah she's basically a fugitive because like the government wants to hunt down is hunting her down because she she made this fucking machine she showed it off and now it's terrorizing everything it's just like it's it's this whole fucking thing that it just evolved it kept evolving that i didn't know where it was going i really enjoy it it's, it's called dahlia um and yeah it's it's a very very cute book with some some shocking twists <laughs> <laughs> nice um i am almost done with Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. Mm. Um, I've tried not to rush through it because I don't have another um, another uh, Audible credit. So I'm basically, once I'm done with that, I'm caught up. So there's nothing else to listen to. So I'm taking my time. Um, I also ended up reading that uh, Iron Fist book I got. Oh, sick. Um, uh, volume 2, because I found Volume 1 online and read it and then read the Volume 2, which nice. is really, really good. It's a very good run. Whose run um, was it again? Uh, or which one was it? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I didn't even put you in a spot. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's just I'm, I'm, it's uh, blah. I, I have it written down too. Um, Was it a throwback or a recent run? It's a. It's one of the older. It's a recent, but not super. Oh, Kari Andrews stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, you did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was volume one and volume two I read, and the other thing is, um, I haven't read this yet. But it's in the mail to me, and it's one state away now. <laughs> nice. And I'm very excited to get it in the mail because I backed a Kickstarter a very long time ago, mm. and I'm finally getting that. And that is Die the Role Playing Game. Oh man, I've been seeing I've been seeing everybody posting theirs. That's awesome. I got the book, I got the DM screen, and I got the custom set of dice. What? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so yeah, good. So, so I will definitely be putting pictures up for that. So that is on my to read list. Uh, so yeah, other than that, um, really been, uh, like catching up with Amanda, helping her like, uh, like or not helping her, but like introducing her to stuff. We went to half price books for Memorial day and I bought her a copy of saga, the whole first half. Hell yeah. The compendium. Cause it, it was super cheap. And I was like, shit, you're getting this. It's like, steal, you yeah. have to read this book. Yeah. So, um, so that, and just like telling her about other books, I'm going to get her into the Disney villains books, things like that <laughs> to catch her up. But um, yeah, other than that, not a lot of reading. Mostly playing video games, to be frank, and uh, listening to podcasts because yeah, I love them. So uh, yeah, but that's it. 
All right. Well, uh, that, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. You can find the show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on there. It's the easiest way to keep track of everything we're doing. Every Saturday, you'll get a text or you'll get a tweet uh, with our link to our newest episode, as well as timestamps for each individual publisher and a complete list of every book that we reviewed. Uh, it's the best way to keep track of what we are doing. Um, also, make sure to follow our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo. This is our musical playlist building show that comes out every other week on a Monday morning, usually when Keith remembers to put it up. Um, <laughs> so, um, Basically, we build a ra- uh, playlist generated, generated around a random category with our co-host Amanda and special guests and friends. The most recent episode featured the return of a longtime host and one of my favorites, Liza, as we talked about the ladies of the 80s. And it was really fun. That episode is up right now. So feel free to check that out. The next episode that will go up will not be this Monday. It'll be the Monday after that. And that will be strong lineups, bands that basically don't have any change in the lineup throughout their entire life. So that's going to be a fun one that we're going to talk about then. As I mentioned, we have some Pride stuff coming up. So make sure to keep an eye out for announcements on our Twitter. Again, best way to check check that out. So once again, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter and at WHI Podcast on Twitter. Um, and finally, follow Hostway on Twitch at Hostway Plays Hostway. Uh, generally, we try to do a listen party for every uh, jukebox that is added. We haven't had a chance to for the last two episodes because Hostway is a very busy boy. Mm-hmm. But we do plan on making that up. And as soon as we have any kind of an idea of a schedule, we will certainly announce that on Twitter as well. But go ahead and follow him already because it's great on uh, Hostway Plays Hostway. So, I believe that's it. I don't think I missed anything. Oh, check out Certain POV. There we go. Certain POV, POV is our network for Jukebox Vertigo. Lots of great shows on there. There's a really good one that um, uh, that I've really been enjoying lately, which is Men of Steel. I've been on it a couple times. It's a, a Superman-based podcast, and they have a really good episode up right now. If you're in the Discord, you can also follow all of our great conversations. We have a lot of great discourse going on there. Um, and you basically anything happens in nerd news, someone posted in there to tell everybody else. So it's a really great way to keep up with everything. And yeah, you probably see me in there a lot, recommending music, talking about comics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, don't forget to backboard and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. <laughs> Stay safe and read more comics. Are you tired of watching your beloved characters being tortured by careless authors? Are you sick of feeling like they could have swapped out all of the painful action and the plot would remain untouched? Subscribe to Books That Burn, the fortnightly book review podcast focusing on fictional depictions of trauma. We assume that the characters' reactions are reasonable and focus on how badly or well they were served by their authors. Join us for our minor character spotlights, main character discussions, and favorite non-traumatic things in the dark books we love. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.